Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. How is one and every doing tonight, this evening, this afternoon, this uh, day that is uh, officially the final day of March in the year 2022? There won't be another day like it, I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, as all days are individual and unique unto themselves. I welcome you all to uh, the latest edition of the Sea Report. And uh, I am your host, Mr. C, otherwise known as Michael Aaron Casadis, otherwise known, also known as, however you want to put it. Glad to be with you guys here this afternoon, this evening, this morning, wherever you are in the world tonight. We are doing it live and we are back. And uh, well, we're here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, now, uh, right off the top and uh, off the bat, off the cuff, whatever kind of off you want to get on to, I just want to apologize for not being on the air the last three days of this week. I mean, what a way to close out March Madness, right? Oh, the madness is great. The madness is deep. The madness is long. The madness is far. But uh, unfortunately... Uh, circumstances have not allowed me to be present here. Uh, just, you know, you guys don't want to hear about Mr. C's problems, right? Anyways, well, I've had, uh, I've had some back issues. Uh, some of you guys might be familiar with me speaking about these things, these, uh, issues with my, uh, skeleton, right? Uh, this, 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 uh, this, uh, contraption that holds me, my, my sack of flesh and my consciousness up and allows me to communicate and divest information with you all. Anyways, the point of the matter is that uh, it has not allowed me to sit up straight in a position in order to deliver unto thee whatever it is I feel like pontificating out of my mouth. So I have not been able to do that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for the last few days. Um... Uh, today we're good, I think. Yeah, obviously, I'm here right now. Like they say, the only thing that would stop me from getting on a broadcast is a fever, a funeral, or a fracture. Okay, let's not forget family. Okay, the four Fs. There used to be the three Fs. Of course, corporate America doesn't talk about the fourth F. That's family, right? Okay, but uh, anyway, so we'll put what's going on with my back in line with a fracture. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. So that it's a little bit easier to digest. Uh, you know, I had these back issues for the longest of times. I've always had back issues. I could tell you about two times a year. Okay. And I know, I know, I know, particularly for the younger audience, they don't want to hear some uh, news broadcaster or news uh, podcaster up there on the um, air talking about their old bones, right? Because we all, Lord knows, when I was a high 
high school. I was, uh, oh, let's talk about my old soul, right? So that's what all these millennials are. Let's talk about our old soul, Mr. C. Let's not talk about our old bones, okay? My old, my bones are actually not that old, but, you know, they kind of feel like they could be. Anyways, so it used to be back in the day. I think we're talking about maybe, like maybe, I don't know, three years ago or more, you know, like at least two times a year, I could most definitely expect that my back would just give out on me. Okay. Now, when I'm talking about my back giving out on me, I'm like, literally, it's one of those like spasm type of nerve type of strikes. That gets right to the bone, right? And then you're like, oh, like you're one minute you're like this, the next minute you're like that, and the next minute you're on the floor kind of thing, right? So used to be the case with me. Um, two times a year, I could expect my back to act up. You know, I scheduled my vacations from work around these things. I was like, it's happening sometime in this. It was usually like around the fall and the spring, right? So it's happening around. So we're going to take a vacation sometime. So this way I can stay at home and recuperate from my, my dying back, right? Okay, so needless to say, that all went away when one day this guy, he was not some type of like a... Uh, uh, a physical health shaman as much as he was just like, you know, a drug dealer. But he was like, do you by any chance have like a kicker's wallet? And I was like, a kicker's wallet? What are you talking about? What do you mean a kicker's? Are you talking about the type of a wallet that someone who is known as a kicker would carry around under their seat and in their back pocket? Now, is this the torment of man? right? That manhood and mankind, we're not talking about women or females here, and we're not talking about transgender situations. We are just talking about a typical biological male, since we have to say that now. I ain't gonna say cis male. You think I'm gonna be like, oh, because all the cis males have these huge ass wallets in their right hand butt pocket. No, thank you. That's not where we're going with this. I don't know. Any man who calls himself a cis man might as well be a sissy Ladies and gentlemen, as far as I'm concerned, but uh, to my point, a kicker's wallet, you know? Okay, someone who was just telling me about this, someone who was just telling me about this just the other day, as I lay in pain and in wait of um, some type of uh, relief, uh, something about Seinfeld, right? Uh, uh, something about about George Constanza can't stand having a wallet like this big in his right hand butt pocket uh, with all his receipt and crap like that. Anyways, I don't remember who's telling me about that, but someone was telling me about that just the other day. And I was like, no, you know, like I don't do that anymore. Okay. Like I learned as a, I learned as a biological male, how to have either no wallet and then they want you to have a purse. Right. And, and if you're like really just off the hinge and going along with that kind of crap, then you have a purse. Okay. Let's not even talk about the bussy. All right. <laughs> We're not going to talk about the bussy. If you want to hear something about the bussy, you're going to have to go to This Is News. I think it's episode 13 or 14. 
Uh, and that's the show that I do over there with the Speak Uneasy on his channel. Okay, if you want to learn about the bussy and the male anatomy, then you're going to have to tune into that show. Ladies, we're not going to talk about that. But what I am talking about now is that, like, you know, when you have this thing going on with your back and your wallet and stuff like that, they're like, well, you know, what would most, what do you think most men would do, okay? Would they start carrying their wallet in their front pocket or or maybe they'll carry it in their left butt pocket so that this way they can kind of even out you know the skeletal um you know uh, a dis a discombobulation or what would what would they do okay i simply just got a thin wallet i mean paper thin okay can't even carry anything else in it besides a card or two and some cash on hand, which plays even more into the New World Order deep state globalists agenda for us having a cashless society. They're like, well, we're going to make it to where men can't even carry $20 bills in their wallet plus all their credit cards or they're going to have severe back issues ladies and gentlemen you see the conspiracy that has been building around the biological male they've been doing it for years they've been doing it for decades night on centuries everything just to emasculate us and carry around our mercies and make sure our bussies are nice and clean ladies and gentlemen i'm done with that okay so anyways getting back to the point of the story at hand is that uh i stopped having a George Constanza kicker wallet in my right-hand butt pocket. When I stopped doing that, I immediately, just almost immediately stopped having problems with my lower back, which was great, okay? Now, this is the kind of conversation that you cannot have with a young millennial, okay? Because they're more concerned about their follows and their influences and shit like that, but not here. Now, we can talk about our anatomy and our bone structure and what ails us, okay? Because we're getting to that point, but um, yeah, you know, but no pun, no pun intended. Indeed, uh, all of that kind of just went away uh, after I stopped having my George Constanza kicker wallet in my right hand butt pocket, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, probably within the last two weeks, last two weeks, mind you. Something has been going on down there. Now, I don't know what it, what it really feels like. And I know you guys are not here to listen to the health problems of Mr. C, nor are you here to diagnose what's going on with me. But I do thank all of you who got in touch with me and are wondering where the hell I've been the last three days. I have been, uh, I have been laying down doing nothing, hoping that my back would straighten up. Really what I should have been doing the last three days, and, uh, stop me if you've heard this one, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, you know, do you know Carl Winslow? Do you know Carl Winslow? Okay, so some of you guys are nodding your head. Yes, I know who Carl Winslow is. I probably should have been strung up on a door, hanging on a door, just like Carl Winslow and Family Matters, because my back has been, like, really fucked up. And the thing about it is, though, 
thing about it is, though, I, I should have been strung up on a door to straighten up my spine the last few days. But I can't do that because, you know, someone like me, someone like Carl Winslow, should have pulled the whole door down with, you know, just the weight of their body. <laughs> So we can't do that. We can't just hang off a door, ladies and gentlemen, to straighten up our backs. So I've been laying uh, down doing basically nothing the last few days. Um, I haven't been able to sit up to do a broadcast, which is I could do one like laying down. But, you know, that's kind of weird. And, you know, for the type of show that I have presented to you all, I don't think that that would like be so... You know, uh, I don't think it would be so congruent. I don't know. Is that the right word? I don't think it would really flow. You know, like, um, what if we did, like, a mist uh, the C report with Mr. C lying on his back, uh, facing heavens, and you just see the profile of my face, like, the entire episode it just doesn't work okay like you want to see the c report you want to see mr c and his suit and tie i'm not even in my suit and tie tonight because you know what i mean it's thursday it's the last day of march here we are and we're about to approach the weekend i haven't been on the air you know for all of last friday's episode and for those of you who are tuning in live you guys know we were talking about the news of last friday's episode like there's been a lot of news that been going on, you know, like uh, last Friday, I mean, talk to me on Friday of last week. And I'm like, oh, there's no news going on. Oh, like, you know, it's just it's just the extensions of the stories that we already know. And, uh, you know, that's not exactly what we're experiencing here as we go through the news. You know, you know, you got you guys know, I don't just like to just splurt out news and then move along ladies and gentlemen like we like to do you know i like to give you some of my thoughts and stuff like that on all of what it is that we're talking about hey renew tone what's going on uh thanks for uh saying hello over there at the i know i'm at 5 30 right now p.m central time so uh we've got some we've got some we've got some competition over there but you know we're live on multiple platforms not just the foxhole.app and uh, pill.net uh you know we're we're live on other places as well right now but it's all good because you know what at the end of the day we don't just give you uh you know two minute headlines and a one minute opinion on the headline like we like to really kind of dig into it and um that's what we're going to be doing today in fact you know today you know okay so last friday for example i'm talking about uh we talked about pat con we talked about the uh the patriot uh, uh conniving uh scheme of the fbi and cia etc we talked about kintanji brown and i was going on about like oh you know like uh, a lot of the news today is not really news news it's just like news that is like you know kind of a continued story of everything that we've been talking about etc 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 uh you know i had a lot more in store for you guys and, and we're going to be going through that today actually and, and the own and you know i'm almost a week removed which is the sad part here guys because uh there's a lot of stuff going on right now there's a lot of, there's not just a lot of news and headline there's a lot of opinion you know and there's a lot of um you know just whatever and uh the thing about it is though you know last week 
when we were talking about Pat Con and Kentanji Brown Jackson and, and some other things, I had I had a whole backup like well, it wasn't even a backup, actually, it was part of the story um that I was gonna share with you guys, but my back last Friday was just aching at the end of two hours. And that's the reason why I ended the broadcast so suddenly. Now you go back to last Friday's, um, last Friday's episode. You might know what I'm talking about. Uh, I haven't even put that episode up on our podcast, which I do apologize. We'll have that episode up on the podcast version up today. You know, it's still timely, even though it's about a week removed. It's still pretty timely. You know, I'd say it's still pretty timely. I would say pretty much anything that you see on the C report is pretty much timely because just as we're finding out, like there's a story that I wanted to go through today that the uh, Gateway Pundit covered on the 25th of this month, right? Uh, We're now on the 31st. We covered here at the Sea Report on the 15th of this month, a full 10 days before the Gateway Pundit put that story up on their website. And it's not to build clout. It's just to say, we're pretty timely here at the Sea Report. Like, uh, uh, where certain stories are in regards, we're pretty much on the ball, right? And uh, if anyone took this broadcast seriously, then they would see for a fact that they can get some pretty good news briefs and uh, insights uh, here Before the news is news, but it's okay. It's okay. I don't care. Uh, The point of the matter is to get the information across. And that's been my entire point to begin with. I went on this entire spiel on Friday's episode about that. You know, that the, the entire point of this broadcast is to share the information. So perhaps you'll hear some information on the C report um, and and then you'll go to your normal sources and your more trusted sources and you'll hear that story about a week or two later. But at least somewhere in the back of your mind, you'll be like, I knew that. I heard that. Someone said that. I don't remember who it was. It wasn't that potato head that appears Monday through Friday over at the foxhole.app or at pill.net, but someone said it. And it will reaffirm the story that you are now hearing from your most trusted sources, whether it's just uh, um, whether it's just a, uh, a breaking news type of thing or a, uh, a, a, a vomiting of news information in uh, a day, okay? I don't know how that kind of thing lasts without any type of insights, but apparently it does if you uh, are five foot four and you smell like pickles, you know? So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I got to say about that. But uh, I appreciate uh, those of you who reached out um, to me in the last few days and have been wondering what, where the hell have I been? I've been laying on my back, right? Not like a hoe, but just, you know, not doing much. You know, I spent, um, I spent a few whiles, actually, 
in the last few days. I have not been able to do much. Um, basically, uh, yeah, I've been listening to other people's shows and broadcasts. Imagine that. A Mr. C listening to other people's news and broadcasts. I try not to do it, guys, because I don't like my own um, point of view to be adulterated by other hosts and other shows points of view okay like that's basically it like you know my mind is my mind and whatever it is i analyze within the news and the headlines and the reports etc okay i don't like it to be adulterated by other people's points of view you know and that's you know aside from the aside from the time factor and you know the thing but you know when you're laying on your back for about three days with nothing to do and you know i i i i i hesitate to take any type of uh you know pain relief or like uh anything i don't like that i don't like you because i don't like taking pain uh, relief pills or muscle relax. I don't like to do that. Now, talk to me 10 or 15 years ago, and I'm all about it. Oh, yeah, you pass the codeine. You know, give me some muscle relaxers. I want to fart like the lady on a uh, freaking, like, uh, Pretty in Pink, right? Walking down the aisle. Like, yeah, yeah. You remember that movie, Pretty in Pink? Okay, we're out of some people's realms right at this point, but that's not the point. The point of the matter here is that I don't like to do that. What I find that those things do to me more nowadays is it gets my head in a certain space, okay? And not my body. Like, my body still feels the pain, all right? My body still feels the dis-ease of whatever it is that I'm going through. But my head is what's floating around, okay? So, I don't know. Um, somehow... I am disjointed from that. Like uh, some people will take a muscle relaxer or a pain reliever and it's gone. Okay. Not me. All right. What happens with me is my head is gone. Okay. My head's disjointed, but my body is still very much feeling the pain. It does not relax my muscles, ladies and gentlemen, if I can just say that. And uh, I've got to say that absolutely uh, the muscle relaxers are starting to kick in, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, my back is still calling out to you. But, uh, well, here we go. Uh, that's just kind of what it is, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Aurelius Locke, how's it going? Welcome back, brother. Was getting worried. Missed you. Hey, thank you, Aurelius. I appreciate that. I saw your... Um, your notes of concern there uh, just today, because I haven't been on. Uh, I, well, where I was going with that was that, yeah, you know, I was, I've been watching other people's shows and stuff like that. So much stuff, ladies and gentlemen, going on out there. Uh, could really piggyback on a lot of it today. I would say based on some of the information that I have come across by watching other people's shows, etc., um, is pretty, it's pretty detrimental. It, it, you know, it could be considered quite timely. Uh, we're pretty timely here at the Sea Report, though, I, I'm proud to say. You know, if we can get if we can get a full 10 days ahead of the Gateway Pundit, I think we're pretty timely here. It's just, you know, whatever it is, because um, we don't do the day by day. We don't do the day by day. I ain't going to just 
I'm not going to go into that. It doesn't matter. You know what? I respect other people's approach to things and some people want to take it day by day. They don't want to tune into this show where you can get your news a full 10 days ahead of time. It is what it is. But, you know, um, going back. Okay, so what was I looking at the past few days? The past few days I've been laying on my back. Okay, a lot of things have been coming to my attempt. You know, I'm trying to figure out exactly maybe maybe three or four days on my back with my back just totally messed up. It's a good thing, right? Maybe we're going to maybe we're going to jump ahead of everybody and we're going to start talking about topics that are very very taboo um amongst uh, a lot of the um individuals out there that know what's going on. Okay. Hey Skeeterberg, what's going on? Good to see you, my love, and good evening, Persnick. Good and Bubbles. Oh my goodness. Hey guys, everyone's popping up at a time. Good to see you all, lady. And Deplora Laura, what's going on? <laughs> all of you guys are popping up at the same time. I love you all. Thank you guys for being here with me right now. We're just coming back right now um, from um, uh, three or four days of back torment. I mean, the last time I was with you guys was on what? Uh, we were on um, uh, on Saturday with President Trump's rally over there in uh, Georgia. We'll be back this upcoming Saturday for sure. Uh, in Mich- I would not miss Michigan for anything, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you. Hey, Empress Beach, to you, what's going on? And Persnick says you were missed. Well, well, we're back. I apologize again. I apologize I wasn't here. Uh, it's just, I couldn't, I couldn't sit up straight. You know, I don't want to give you guys Mr. C, the C report on a profile. It's not becoming of, uh, of the show, but thank you guys for being here and, uh, and for speech to you. Thank you for the 117 gold pills, um, at this moment. Now, um, the last few days, because, okay, because Friday it was like, meh, right? Friday, meh, as far as news goes, uh, but so much has been going on. You know, particularly if you are paying attention to like some other things, you know, um, I was laying on my back listening to a lot of information that is uh, considered, I don't know, kind of like, um, uh, what would you call that? They call it exo, exo information. I'm not sure what it's called. Um, uh, Conspiracy theory information. I don't know. I don't know what it's called. It's like... It's like that other level of information, right? Um, really going in on such things as like uh, hidden hidden world histories, right? Hidden world histories. Uh, things that have been lied to us about. And, you know, at this point in time, as we will uh, kind of go through a little bit tonight, we already know that... Th- Everything that we've ever been taught, everything that we've ever been known to have known has just been a total wash of lies and uh, deception, which it's just it's crazy, guys. It's crazy. It is just one of the most craziest things. You know, it it causes someone like myself to also question, causes someone like myself to also question um, what it is that we're really experiencing at this point in time, you know, what, what are we really experiencing? Like who is who, what is what, and why is where it is when it is at the time that is, and how 
Is it that that is where it is, when it is, and why it is, why it is how? You know, um, a lot of things like that, guys. A lot of things like that. Uh, a lot of a lot of questions come to my mind, and you know, uh, uh, talking about you know from fake Jews all the ways to Tartaria or Tartaria to. Um, to just uh, the way the 2020 elections went, guys, so much stuff. Big fat lie, says Bubbles, 100%. 123SKG, good to see you in the audience. Thank you for gifting the can so much. Yes, Secret Histories, Deep Digs, says Tam Growl. That stuff, hey, Bill Tech, what's up? That stuff right there, guys. Like, that's where I spent my days laying on my back. And I gotta say... The more I listened to and learned about and watched some of these shows, broadcasts, points of views, programs, whatever you want to call them, I just felt my back going like this more and more. Just like scrunching up more and more and more to the point that I was just like, I don't know if I could listen to this because um, that puts us at an odds Guys, it puts us at an odds, okay? So tonight, uh, as we go into some of the stories I want to share with you guys, they they will put us at odds, you know? There are already uh, topics that we are at odds with, you know? It's it's kind of like uh, the whole Putin thing uh, with uh, in relationship to, like, the World Economic Forum, for example, you know, and what it is that we're experiencing there because, you know, I, you know, I have my own point of views on certain things and we can, we can relate this back to the uh, Zelensky thing, for example. Now I've shown you guys one, two, three different points of views on Zelensky. Uh, one of, one of which was totally removed from my personal point of view, but was totally valid you know, and then the question comes about Putin, right? And where he stands in the midst of this quagmire, okay? But I think there will be a little bit of clarity within the uh, realm of what one of our former United States representatives had to say about the entire skirmish happening over in Russia, Ukraine. And I just hope that by the end of it, it doesn't destroy my worldview of things. But you know what? If it does, I would much rather have the truth, ladies and gentlemen. And I think you guys would much rather have the truth as well. The question is, are we going to get there? And should I just turn this entire you know, ensemble, this entire, uh, um, thing into, uh, into, into, into just laying into the reality of the facts of what it is as I see, you know, because one of the other things that has really just blown my gasket and we'll talk about it a little bit later, is this whole Nazi thing, okay? But before we get there, <laughs> and Aurelius Locke says, welcome to the Woo Crew. Yeah, you want to go Woo Woo? <laughs> we could most definitely probably do that. Um, but uh, one of the most uh, craziest things that knocked me off my seat 
while I was, um, uh, while I've been off the air the last few days. And in fact, last night, you know, um, I, I was, I was scheduled to be on with the Speak Uneasy during his show. This is news question mark. And I'm very, very quite lucky to be part of that ensemble with the Speak Uneasy just cause it's fun for, for one, but for two, we can kind of just be like, yeah, you know, whatever, like about the news and just kind of like, like, offload you know unload on it right we can just be like this is news and just go off on it and you know i have to be thankful and grateful to the bartender for allowing me to do that because i can be rather outspoken sometimes okay as i'm sure some of you guys are rather familiar with i can be rather outspoken sometimes on some of my points of view but um for yesterday and this is a perfect tie-in to today guys it's a perfect tie-in to today like i was going to share this article with you guys over at the speak and easy yesterday let me just show you what this is because this is just this is just where we are as a world okay where are we as a world this is where we are check this out like this is just ridiculous okay so (laughs) headline reads Zelensky thirst is making liberals look like absolute clowns so I had to be like I had to okay I had to stop for a minute and I had to kind of check myself, right? Because <laughs> as as some of you guys might know, if you guys have been paying attention, like uh, whenever we are talking about Zelensky in relation to Putin, in relation to Trump, in relation to white hats and black hats and gray hats and dark and light and all of that stuff. I was like, well, you know, he is kind of cute. <laughs> okay, so this, this, well, I didn't say it like that, actually. I thought, I was like, well, he's a handsome looking man, right? Zelensky, whatever, whatever, whatever. So apparently this is a thing, okay? <laughs> this is a thing, apparently. Uh, apparently this is a thing. So the R- Rolling Stone, guys. Now, I, you know, I'll be honest with you guys. I don't know who would turn to a magazine like Rolling Stone for actual news. But, but most admittedly, when I was like 16, 17, 18, 19, somewhere within that age range, I was subscribed to Rolling Stone. I got them in my mailbox, like, you know, whenever they published their articles. This was like 96, 97, 98, I'm pretty sure I was done with them by 99 or 2000, right? But yeah, I had a whole bunch of Rolling Stone. I don't know. Back then to me, it was entertainment, okay? It was entertainment and commentary. So I don't know who would literally turn to Rolling Stone, even though Rolling Stone published the writing of like, you know, he, someone like Hunter S. Thompson used to be a hero of mine. And he's not a hero of mine anymore. Now I would read the works of Hunter S. Thompson to get an insight into what that type of mindset and lifestyle is. Does that make sense, right? Like now if I were to read the works of Hunter S. Thompson, it wouldn't be because I'm a fanboy or because I admire the work that he did. It would be more so to get an insight to the hidden truths and the hidden secrets that are embedded within his work so as to gain a better understanding of where the people who rule this world and rule the 
industries stand. Does that make sense? I think it makes sense, right? So that's the reason why I would read the works of Hunter Thompson now. And I am and I do, okay? Because I haven't read everything by the man, but this man, he was... I was very impressionable towards him. You know what I mean? Like his work and it was very, I was very impressionable towards his work. Right. You know, as even as, even as far down as writing style goes, you know, a very impressionable about his work, but now I would definitely look at his work as an, a speculative and as a uh, investigative investigatory type of thing having to do with it. Now, Deplora Laura says Rolling Stone and SNL used to be okay right now. Now, Deplora Laura, I will just right out say I would never have looked towards Saturday Night Live as being a type of place where I would get information from. I mean, obviously they would do like what spoofs and parodies in order to make their point come across. But then, you know, you have an entire other generation that's coming up on like The Daily Show and all those idiots over there. And I won't lambast or lay way into someone like Jon Stewart as much as I would like the other idiots that came out on uh, The Daily Show, you know, but people literally turning to these points of view for their news and information is ludicrous, I think. And I think you guys could probably understand that as well. Um, but anyhow, <laughs> Skeeterberg says insight into insanity. Well, you know, Skeeterberg, I got to say, I got, you know, I have, I have most definitely broken bread and sat at the same table as individuals I thought were kind of a little, you know, that I thought flew over the cuckoo's nest just a little bit. And I just got to say, you know, I just get Gonzo's journalism. That's right. A hundred percent. One, two, three, SKG, Gonzo Journalism. I just got to say, when when it came down to breaking bread and sitting down with individuals whom I, in my worldview, might have thought were a little off the uh, rocker or a little crazy, I just sat and listened to what they had to say. Because all I could think is that perhaps they are offering a point of view, a perspective, or a worldview that I might never have seen or thought about, but somewhere within their, um, their mind, within their perception, they have a point of view that is possibly worth exploring, you know? And, you know, we know what uh, rings out with us and we know what... Um, we know what resonates with us enough, whether to know our, in, with our, our, within our own discernment, whether or not we believe and or go along with that. But you never know. You never know who you're talking to and you never know who it is that is sitting at your table. But this article right here, guys, I got to say, <laughs> I got to say was definitely one for the what this is news over there at the speak uneasies and uh the Zelensky thirst is making liberals look like absolute clowns i did not even know this was a thing honestly guys that apparently 
the left and the progressives and whatever the left okay apparently whenever these uh these moments of like uh political and 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 a differential type of debate come up they get horny okay so i was like what and so it says uh, it says maybe lay off the horny commentary do they not remember how it turned out for Michael Avenatti and Andrew Cuomo? So, okay, so <laughs> let's go ahead and pull up on this one real quick. And let me see if I can do it here. Just give me a, just give me a minute. As this uh, article says, Zelensky thirst is making liberals look like absolute clowns. Okay, so here's the thing that I didn't know about. Look, at maybe lay off the horny commentary. Do they not remember how it turned out with Michael Avenetti or Andrew Cuomo? Okay, so I'm kind of like... Here's what I'm thinking. Like, really? Like, oh, oh it, you know, it's a good thing to be so disassociated from the left's uh, media that you don't even realize that these people are drooling over people like Michael Avenetti or Nipple Rings Cuomo? Really? Does that mean that every time I showed Andrew Cuomo's nipple rings that the left was just salivating or what? <laughs> That is just so funny to me. Okay, so let's see what this article had to say. This is what I was going to... Okay, there you go. And there there you go. There is Zelensky, Volodymyr. For, you, for those of you who do not know how to pronounce his name, Volodymyr. Just like the guy from Harry Potter, right? Volodymyr. Not Vladimir, that's that's Putin, okay? That's Putin. But anyways, okay, so I would have shared this with uh, the Speak Uneasy on his show last night, uh, if we had the chance. Why not do it today? Every few years during times of great political and socio-cultural turmoil, liberals seek respite or respite by sexually objectifying the first halfway decent looking man they see. <laughs> now, let me tell you what, this is some type of commentary that we could have taken <coughs> from Hunter S. Thompson, but he probably would have put it in a much cruder or a more crudely type of fashion. It happened with Michael Avenatti in 2016, which I'm just kind of like, barf, okay? Barf, wretch, vomit, that's disgusting. That the left, they, they took to Michael Avenatti, the pervert lawyer, okay? And it was probably just because it was against President Trump, but check this out. It happened with Michael Evanetti in 2016, then with Robert Mueller the following year. Now, <laughs> how many of you people out there even recognized that the left was salivating over Robert Mueller? They're like, oh, daddy, he's going to bring me the Mueller report home, daddy. Like, that is so disgusting. <laughs> 
that even that Robert Mueller turned them on. Like, he got their engine purring. Like, he got their seat wet. Like, he got them bricked up is so disgusting. I don't even know how the left can qualify any of this. But, of course, the worst would have to be... Governor Andrew Nipplerings Cuomo during the 2020 pandemic that the left was wanting to jump his bones. Any of these guys, it's quite interesting. <laughs> it's quite interesting. Now, it says here also, uh, as the article continues, sometimes this sentiment results in uncomfortable public displays of horniness as exemplified by molar erotic fan fiction. I don't even want to know what that looks like, y'all. <laughs> molar erotic fan fiction like what 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 does that look like what is robert moeller sitting during a, a, a hearing where he has to disprove the allegations of trump and russia collusion what does that look like okay <laughs> i'm not gonna look it up but apparently there is something here that has to deal with an infamous beto o'rourke Sex tweet. Now, guys, I just got to say this about Beta O'Rourke and a sex. I don't know what this Beta O'Rourke sex tweet is all about. Okay, there was an uh, there was an article that they published about Beta O'Rourke, and we ran the story here. I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look, but in that story, there was a photograph. Okay. That was kind of like, wow, is that a banana in your pants or what you got going on there? I don't care. But you you know someone like the elfin Lord Master Beta O'Rourke is going to have some type of like quasi-sexual and deranged like pandering towards him and his uh his being obviously right but anyways this article i just thought was so funny because it's calling out the left and how they just sexually glorify anyone are they that desperate you know they're not okay we all know what we say about the left and the way that they're um their their people appear right like people who are conservative tend to be a little bit more attractive physically speaking here we're not trying to be you know uh derisive here at the sea report but i'm just saying uh, it says here but more often than not it's just embarrassing for everyone involved particularly when these political figures reveal themselves to be more fragile than the all-powerful daddies <laughs> And they disappoint us as they invariably do. It seems, however, that liberals have failed to learn their lesson as history is repeating itself with the latest horniness cycle over Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine. Following Putin's invasion of his country, Zelensky has made headlines for his staunch bravery in the face of brutal military aggression, posting photos on social media 
of himself drinking with soldiers rather than hiding out and reportedly telling the Biden administration when it offered to airlift him out of Ukraine that he needed more ammunition, not a ride. I can just imagine how many people on the left were like, I want a ride, Daddy Zelensky. Right? They're probably, Daddy Zelensky, give me a ride, Daddy Zelensky. Or they're probably saying the same thing about Biden as well, which is pretty sad. Okay, it's pretty sad. Okay. <laughs> the fact that Zelensky is not an establishment politician, but a former comedian who went viral for playing Hava Nagalia with his penis. You guys, okay, I know you guys have seen the whole Zelensky playing the piano with his penis thing, right? That's why I say pianist. Zelensky is a true pianist, right? Okay, you get you get you get the joke now, right? But um do you know how many people sided with Ukraine over that one scenario in Toto? They're like screw Putin, not literally, not even uh <laughs> sorry. Freaking Aurelius Locke, where's the Millie? <laughs> Aurelius Locke says, where's the Victoria Millie fan fiction? Oh my goodness. You guys, I could do an entire spoof of a parody. We'll do it. We'll do a we'll do a we'll do a comic book. You guys want to do a comic book? We'll do a comic book. The Zelensky, Robert Moeller, Michael Avenetti, Nipple Rings Cuomo, Victoria Millie fan fiction. <laughs> and see where that goes. You guys don't believe I could do comic book? Do I need to show you the comic books I've drawn? I don't know anyways, but uh Zelensky's a true pianist. And I can say pianist, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> just based on any of this. But uh, anyways, uh, uh, um, Zelensky's um, Hava Nagila played with his penis has only added to the public's admiration of his integrity and sterling courage. This admiration for Zelensky, however, is manifesting itself in an unsettling way with women making thirsty posts about him on TikTok and Twitter, many consisting of slideshows of the president over Mariah Carey's hero. To an extent, the thirst is understandable, according to, of course, the Rolling Stone magazine. Zelensky has proven himself to be a remarkable leader under near unthinkable circumstances, and the fact that he's a five foot seven Jewish king certainly does not hurt matters. Okay, now this is part of this entire narrative that bothers me the most okay you have a five foot seven and his size doesn't matter okay okay for me guys five foot seven that's uh that's that's throwing type of stature right like we like that stature they're easier to toss around right anyways so because i'm like what five foot ten five foot eleven anyways so um, he's five foot seven and he's a Jewish king. Now that's the part of the narrative that irks me the most. And we'll explore a little bit about that tonight as we go on. But the fact of the matter is he's Jewish, okay? And he is 
uh, what? Defending these neo-Nazis in Ukraine. And I think that that is the point that most of us should drive home more than anything, okay, is the fact that they are assisting neo-Nazis, Nazis by any other definition in this country. That just flabbergasts me that we have people on the left and we have people who are, we stand with Ukraine, we already, yes, the short ones, Bubbles, you get to toss the short ones around, okay? But we already have the, 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 the deep state department and Antony Blinken in his, uh, in his uh, Instagram um, worldview, everybody stands with Ukraine, so we must do what we must to help Ukraine when everybody knows that these are neo-Nazis. So in my in my purview, in my purview, the deep state department has basically laid down their cards, okay? They've signed their own warrants and they're letting everyone know, which is good, which is why we are where we are, which is why we are here right now. Because we, so we can see and know and discern and figure and just understand where these people are. So we have no shadow of doubt about who they are, what they are, what they stand for, and what they're trying to do. Go ahead, Antony Blinken. Post on your Instagram about how much you stand with neo-Nazis, okay? Post on your Instagram about how much you support Nazis killing and creating and doing genocide in Ukraine, whether it's in the Donbass region, the Crimea, or over there in, uh, in, in Odessa, okay? Because it's very much happened in Odessa. Let us know, okay? Let us see the extent of your sins. Let us figure the uh, the the uh, involvement of your will and your being into these things. And it's exactly what he's doing. It's exactly what they're doing. That is the thing that perturbs me probably the most about this situation is the neo-Nazis and how people are not laying down to that, okay? Mm-hmm. Empress Beach to you says, so is Klaus Schwab and he turned fellow Jews over to the Nazis. I'm glad you mentioned Klaus Schwab, Cotton Schwab, Miss Empress Beach to you, because we're going to talk about him a little bit tonight as well. Before the night is through, I will make stew out of all of them. Okay, so getting back into this, it says, uh, yet... The impulse to sexualize a man whose country is under siege seems at best inappropriate and at worst wildly ill-advised. Co-hosts Brittany Spanos and E.J. Dixon argue during this week's episode of Don't Let This Flop, Rolling Stone's podcast about TikTok and internet culture. Okay, just open Pornhub and grow up, says Spanos, of the impulse to sexualize politicians in general. Nasty? Just why? I don't know what that's all about, honestly. On this week's Don't Let This Flop, I don't know what that's all about. Okay, they apparently they discuss. Okay, apparently this entire article about the left being thirsty over uh, um, Robert Mueller and Volodymyr Zelensky was just a cheap plug for this. Uh, <laughs> for this. 
<laughs> for this uh, this uh, podcast that's hosted by people from Rolling Stone. Why don't we just do this for you guys? We'll do this for you guys. You want to see this? We'll show you Zelensky and Hills. Okay. Have you guys seen it yet or not? Because apparently, apparently this clip right here of Volodymyr Zelensky is the reason why everyone and their mother, including the gays and the transvestis, are just bricked up for Zelensky. Okay. <laughs> so... Maybe you guys have seen this. Maybe you guys have not. I've been off the air for the last uh, three or four days. So uh, this is probably old news, but let's just run it and we'll see what you guys think about it. How about that?
fine. Uh, excuse me, excuse me. This is not about you. Okay, so... <laughs> oh my goodness. Bubbles says... <laughs> Bubbles says... Bubbles says, is this what you've been doing the last four days? <laughs> That is good. That's good, Bubbles. Good. That is so good. <laughs> no, that's not what I've been doing the last four days. I've been trying to figure out what the hell is happening with this world the last four days. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> you know, okay, that's not, that was not good, guys. That was not good, okay? <laughs> I mean, if I had to say anything, if I had to come up in the defense of Vladimir Zelensky, okay, I'd be like, well, you know, uh, apparently uh, he was an actor back then or something like that. I don't know. Ter terrible, terrible clip, guys. Terrible clip. Um, it's just, it's, but, but this is what the left is salivating over, okay? They're like, oh, like Zelensky, like, you know, they're like, they're like, oh, like Zelensky. <laughs> they're like, oh, Zelensky, like, they're getting like, they're getting totally like, um, a nipple rings Cuomo over this guy is kind of what I'm saying, <laughs> Yes, Bubbles, it is satanic, okay? And it was very badly done as well, all right? Now, you have this article here. Now, this is just gonna, this is just to display the uh, the immoral aptitude of these individuals that are fawning over Zelensky, okay? And these are people that have absolutely no understanding of what's going on over there. They don't care, they don't know, they don't want to know, they just know. That Zelensky came out in a pair of heels and he played a classical tune with his pianist on a piano. Okay, we know that. We know that much already. Someone out there had said, I haven't seen Zelensky play the piano with his penis yet. I can't wait. Sorry, I don't have that clip for you. We're not, we're not going to watch that clip. But uh, here's this. This is from Newsweek. Resurfaced clip of Volodymyr Zelensky dancing in high heels goes viral. A video of Volodymyr Zelensky dancing in high heels while wearing a midriff bearing top has resurfaced online with people widely praising the Ukrainian president. The comedian turned politician has been catapulted into the international spotlight following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The 44-year-old has not had a traditional path to politics with Zelensky previously an actor who starred in a life-imitating art comedy series about a teacher who becomes the country's president. In his previous career in showbiz, the married father also voiced the character of Paddington Bear in the Ukrainian version of the film, while he also participated in his country's version of Dancing with the Stars in 2006, which he won. But it's a video of him dancing in stilettos while wearing a leatheresque ensemble and cropped boleta, uh, which has caused a stir online after it resurfaced. Zelensky, accompanied by three other men in similar attire, thrusts, twirls, and even does a headstand in the raunchy getup. 
The others are thought to be fellow actors uh, Yevgeny Koshevo, uh, Stefan or Stepan Kazinin, and Alexander Pikolov. The four-piece perform saucy moves in the black-and-white video not dissimilar to Beyonce's smash hit Single Ladies. <laughs> Released in 2009. Uh, the spoof music video appears to have been released in 2014 with a title on a YouTube clip saying, translated to English, Cossacks Made in Ukraine, a parody of 2014. In the video, the four men start off the routine in what appears to be traditional Cossack clothing, which they then rip off to reveal their sassy outfits. <laughs> The Cossacks from the Turkic Kazakh, which means adventurer or free man, began evolving in the 15th century in Ukraine's southern steep frontier. A clip of the video was shared to Reddit's next effing forum on Sunday, where it was captioned, Volodymyr Zelensky, president of Ukraine, did a Beyonce-style dance in leather pants and heels. This man is a legend, and now he's fighting for his country. Isn't that crazy, guys? Like, the left will lean on this and be like, oh, well, we're on Zelensky's side. We're on Robert Mollert's side. We're on Michael Avenetti's side. We're on Nipple Rings Cuomo's side. Because first and foremost, they're anti-Trump. But secondly, because we can, like, we can, like, sexualize them and fantasize about these idiots as we uh, continue to follow on that path of, um, I don't know what kind of path that is, actually, guys. It's kind of crazy to me. It says, uh, it was upvoted and liked more than 5,000 times, okay? This is what you call, what is that, Stockholm Syndrome, right? Not only are these people being held captive, but they are also being, uh, being brainwashed into sexualizing and fantasizing over their captors, okay? Over the people who choose to lie to them, that choose to deceive them into uh, following in the footsteps of neo-Nazis and other, uh, what, uh, Stephen Bandera types. And it's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. They don't understand how ridiculous they are. Look at what some of them were saying, guys. This is what some of these people were saying about that. Look at. Some idiot by the name of Sushi Cat says, Putin has spent decades trying to craft his image and Zelensky used those heels to stomp all over it in a week. It must be killing Putin. You know Putin is sitting back going, Oh, no, Zelensky has stomped all over my image with those boots that are made for walking, right? Like... <laughs> Like, Putin really cares about that. Like, Putin's probably like, this guy's coming up in his heels. <laughs> Sorry. That Putin's stepping up in his six-inch stilettos and is just quashing the opposition, right? Like, let this be an example of how Ukraine is doing in Ukraine during the Russian military operation, right? Like, Putin cares so much about that, right? Like, uh, this Emma Watkins says, Never thought I'd be in a timeline where we are all collectively thirsting over the Ukrainian president. Well, Emma, all I can say is this thirst dried up about, oh, uh, I don't know, 
January 1st, 2022, okay? <laughs> this one's kind of disgusting, okay? We'll, we'll leave it here. We'll leave it here. Cookie Munster says that apparently her boyfriend, who's also Ukrainian, said that he too has a small crush on Volodymyr Zelensky and... Vladimir Zelensky is now on both of their free cheat lists. Disgusting! Ladies and gentlemen, I think we can put this story to rest. It would have made a fine story on the Speak Uneasies. This is news, episode number 14 or 15. But uh, for the C-Report, it just does not hack it, ladies and gentlemen. All right, guys, we spent about an hour in discourse. I hope you all are having a wonderful Thursday evening. I could tell you I am at this moment in time. And I thank you for joining us on this journey. And uh, as I am uh, coming back from my back, not being so bad, uh, trust and believe, ladies and gentlemen, that the muscle relaxers have set in and we're ready to go through with the rest of tonight's show. Okay, so... Uh, hey, Pill by the Rabbit, what's going on? Good to see you. I'm glad to hear that you had a wonderful time up in the mountains of Utah. Perhaps next time I'll be able to join you guys. And uh, happy birthday, belated as it is. A merry, merry unbirthday to you, my friend, and to everyone whose birthday it is not today. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. 123 SKG says Stormy Daniels owes Trump $500,000. Bet she is not thinking on Avenetti that way. No kidding, right? She, maybe Stormy Daniels thirsted for Michael Avenetti, uh, you know, at the head, no pun intended, of that uh, entire debacle. But now she's probably like, this loser ain't worth a nothing, not a nickel dime lick split of what it is that uh, she is going to have to pay to President Trump. That is some more news, guys. So let's break into tonight's episode, guys. We're going to break into tonight's episode. We got some new... Uh, we're, we are going to mostly be talking about uh, Putin and Russia stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. There's been a lot of news happening, like in the last three days. A lot of news. We're talking Arizona. We're talking election integrity efforts. We're talking Hunter Biden's laptop. You know, the whole thing about Hunter Biden's laptop, though, is that that's kind of old news, but it's just broken in. Uh, you know, OK, you know, if we were to be like the New York Post, right? New York Post talked about Hunter Biden's laptop well before the 2020 election. OK, maybe it wasn't well before but it was uh it was well up by then wowzers gold uh, railanon howdy and uh howdy do <laughs> railanon but um uh good to see in the audience my friend uh but <laughs> um well you know it wasn't it wasn't so long before but hunter biden's laptop and the contents of hunter biden's laptop have been known for quite some time 
There's some guy I've never heard of before by the name of Jack Maxey. Is that, am I saying that right? Jack Maxey or Jack McKenzie or Jack Mackin something or other. Um, never heard of this guy. But apparently this guy is the one who's talking all about the Hunter Biden laptop. Now, I did not know Jack Squat about the Hunter Biden laptop from Jack Maxey. I actually heard about it from Tori says. Now, if you really actually go back to it, um, there's this website called like Looking Glass or something like that. Now, there's a lot of information there. Now, if you went to Looking Glass, and I'm saying about maybe a year ago or so, a year ago by now, guys, a year ago, they had on that website all of the contents of the Hunter Biden laptop. You could go and you could look at every single bit of, except for, from what I understood, if my memory recalls, you could look at everything that the Hunter Biden laptop had to offer except for child pornography and anything related to that type of an issue. Because obviously, if you were going to go and do some type of a uh, investigation of your own into the Hunter Biden laptop, they did not want you to uh, to be um, uh, susceptible to being arrested or investigated by individuals that were like, why are you looking up child porn? Why do you have pornographic images on your computer that involve Hunter Biden and family members, etc.? Right? So that was understandable. But that's where I learned about Hunter Biden's laptop. Now, I was not able to secure any of that information in my time stream because I looked at it at a very late moment. Like, you know, they talked about Hunter Biden's laptop and uh, I just didn't get to it in time. By the time I got around to it, by the time I found out about it, they had closed off all of that information. They'd sealed it off. It was no longer available for download. But Hunter Biden's laptop has been known about for a long, long time, okay? Uh, it's It's been known. I mean, in the New York Post, Tory says, they were all talking about it. They were all giving out that information. So I don't know who Jack Maxey is or anything like that. But like, anyways, get, getting back to my point of view is that... <laughs> Uh, well, well, we're, we're not going to talk about that tonight. Okay. But that is part and parcel of the news that has been coming up over the last few uh, days. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of election integrity stuff coming up. We've had, um, you know, the Hunter Biden stuff coming up. Um, and, and then of course there's Russia and Putin. So we're, we're really going to kind of settle on Russia and Putin today because, you know, here at the Sea Report, we try and give you guys a narrative in a type of continuum that you can go back and listen to our episodes or watch our replays and you can kind of get that there's a storyline, that there's a path that we're flowing on. We've got to get past this path tonight in order us to move forward. And last, the last episode that we did on Friday of last week, we left it kind of open-ended, okay, because my back was just giving me too much pain. Now, in typical fashion for the C-Report, President Trump leads as always. And we're here, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see what the president has to say. Before I do that, <clears throat> let me just thank 
Uh, a couple of people over at the foxhole.app. Empress Beach to you. Thank you for the 500 gold pills. Um, oh my goodness. Um, wowzers. Uh, uh, 123SKG, thank you for the ship. Railanon, thank you for the ship. Railanon, thank you for the 500 gold pills. Uh, Chipmunk45, thank you for the phone. Uh, Railanon, likewise, thank you for that. And Empress Beach, she's going to start a cookie war. Thank you for that. Railing on. Thank you for the cookies. Cookies are coming in. Thank you guys so much. And, uh, well, let's, let's just, let's just continue on this, uh, adventure together. Ladies and gentlemen, let's see what our president has to say. What's our first statement from President Trump? You guys were hanging out with us on Saturday of last week and the Trump rally in Georgia, which I thought was absolutely fascinating and a great time. I know you guys all had a good time hanging out. What did President Trump have to say about it? I think he's uh, talking about it here in this statement right now. It says, uh, massive crowd last night in Georgia, even despite the cold weather. The enthusiasm was unbelievable. And you guys know, because we were like, hey, okay, so if you're hanging out with us, you're kind of like, well, there's something strange about tonight's rally, right? Um, even myself, just looking at the rally, I was kind of like, he kind of looks like it's a green screen kind of thing. I didn't know if it was really real or not. But then, uh, you know, they started throwing the Beyonce wind fans and he had to put his hat on. So that was all good. And uh, I th we were pretty much able to deduce that it was President Trump there live and in person. It says, uh, David Perdue running against horrendous Governor Brian Kemp, who let the election be rigged and stolen, is seeing a very big surge. Will be interesting, but why would anybody want to vote for somebody who unnecessarily allowed a really bad and unfair consent decree but wouldn't allow a special session as requested by the state Senate. Kemp is a disaster for Georgia. And indeed, Brian Kemp is, you know, regardless of what some people might say about Brian Kemp and where his heart is, the point of the matter is that Brian Kemp allowed a a fraudulent election to be certified. And, you know, here's kind of where I go back at it in this regard is that Brian Kemp's daughter's boyfriend was blown to smithereens. Okay. I try and factor that into Brian Kemp's decision. You know, I don't know what, 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 what would any of us have done? You know, um, what would any of us have done if Brian Kemp could get around that and figure out how it was done? I think he would stand a better chance of, uh, you know, he would stand a better chance of, of, uh, of disproving what it is that they claim as the official story and perhaps really standing up for Georgia and for America and for America First policies, and for President Trump. But that's a hard bill to fill. That's a hard bill to fill. Someone died. Someone died in an effort to ensure that Brian Kemp went along with the deep state 
that those are some tough cookies right there, ladies and gentlemen. For all the cookies I see you guys throwing in the chat room, Chipmunk, Relanon, 123SKG, Empress Beach to you, thank you so much. The, those are some tough cookies right there, ladies and gentlemen. So I don't know if I could speak much more at length on that topic as far as Brian Kemp is concerned. Let's see what else President Trump had to say about the meeting in Georgia. He says, uh, we had a massive crowd last night in Georgia, but as usual, the fake news media absolutely refuses to show it. People are estimating 25,000 to 35,000 people, but our record so far is Texas with 87,000 people with 50,000 people being turned away. This is really fun. Well, President Trump, I'm glad to hear that you are having fun at the expense of my being turned away. Just kidding. I didn't even go to that one. That was like East Texas. I don't have a car. Couldn't have done it. But yeah, absolutely fun times. Um, uh, His rallies are only going to continue to grow, ladies and gentlemen. I think all of you guys know that. Um, I had heard this report uh, over the last three days. Well, I was laying flat on my back that people were not able to hear the cheers of the crowds at his rallies. I don't remember that being the case, but um, most definitely they were very, very loud for this past um, this past rally. And I think the next one. Yeah, here we go, guys. The next uh, the next um, uh, announcement from President Trump. Now, we're not looking at all of President Trump's statements tonight. He's got far too many. And they will most definitely um, they will most definitely frame the uh, shows that we have coming forward. Uh, but he has another announcement about his next rally, which is happening on Saturday, which we will be here for, guys. So... Uh, Save America announces additional program speakers for Washington Township, Michigan. I am super excited about the Michigan rally coming up on Saturday, guys. We will be here live at the Sea Report. I'm pretty sure we're going to start broadcasting at the head of the uh, rally on Saturday. Uh, Now, we already know that it's going on. We've kind of talked about it. So this uh, announcement here is just talking about additional speakers. Okay, so uh, the uh, 45th president of the United States of America will be joined by endorsed candidates, members of the Michigan congressional delegation and other special guests on Saturday, April 2, April 2nd, 2022 in Washington Township, Michigan. This Save America rally is a continuation of President Trump's unprecedented effort to advance the MAGA agenda by energizing voters and highlighting America First candidates. Now, President Trump will be speaking at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard or Eastern uh, Time. So that means we'll be live here for that at least by 6 p.m. Unless he runs over like he did this last Saturday. If you guys were with us on Saturday, he was scheduled to speak at Eastern Standard Time at 7 p.m. He didn't go on till like 8, 8 p.m. that night. He went on pretty late, uh, but he'll be on at 7, 7, 7, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, let's see. 
Some of the newly announced speakers include Representative Lisa McLean, who is from the United States uh, Representative from Michigan's 10th Congressional District, John Gibbs, candidate for United States Representative for Michigan's 3rd Congressional District and former Acting Assistant Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Now, as we all know... Matthew DiPerno, candidate for Attorney General of Michigan, and Christina Caramo, candidate for Secretary of State, will be speaking. Very excited about these two in particular. When we're talking about Matt DiPerno and Christina Caramo, Matt DiPerno is the constitutional lawyer who took up the Antrim County, Michigan case. He was like the first, basically. The first case outside of Rudy Giuliani and Trump's election um, illegal team that held their hearings, he was the first to take to task exactly the fraud that occurred in one of the most contested states as far as election fraud goes, Matthew DiPerno. Um, so I can't wait to hear him speak. Matthew DiPerno has received probably like, I don't know, three or four endorsements from President Trump doing a, an excitingly good job, ladies and gentlemen, Matthew DiPerno has been doing. So um, like I'm saying, they're expecting President Trump to hit the stage about 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, they're expecting the doors to open about 4 p.m. Eastern time. So on Saturday, we're going to cover the entire, we are going to cover the entire rally here at Mr. CTV. Um, so we will probably go live about 3 p.m. on Saturday. That's this upcoming Saturday, April 2nd, to cover the Michigan rally in uh over there in that great state so look forward to that guys because i want to hear what matt DePerno has to say i want to hear what christina caramo has to say uh this is a great time and you know the thing about it is like we see all of these elected officials who are being endorsed by president trump and who are being recommended by president trump i want these people to stand their ground you know what i mean like i want i want them to be checked and watched you know i these people because it seems to me that michigan is a pretty corrupt state and michigan is full of rhinos just like a lot of the states up there in the midwest just like texas right i i really do hope and pray that those individuals who will be representing President Trump and the America First movement will actually be who they say they are. So we're probably going to cover the entire, entire, entire rally on uh, on Saturday. I would say look for us about 3 p.m. Central Time to go live on that rally so we can ensure that we have Matt DiPerno and Christina Caramo uh, down and set for what it is that they have to offer us on that day. Very much so looking forward to that. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Now what we have for you guys. I hope you guys are ready for this, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we have an interview with President Trump with none other than the great John Solomon on John Solomon's Just the News, Not the Noise. 
had a chance to sit down and interview President Trump. Um, this might have been an interview to kind of bring someone like, I think her name is Nina Head, into the spotlight. I don't know if you guys have had the chance to catch this interview, but it, it's, it's pretty good. So uh, we're going to sit back for about, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, and we're going to listen to this interview with President Trump and John Solomon of Just the News and Nina Head. Um, and I think you guys will enjoy it. It's an interview where President Trump uh, kind of uh, spotlights uh, some uh, issues, talks about a few things. You guys might remember, you guys might remember um, uh, on, on Saturday, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia brought onto the stage Matt Gates of Florida. And what did Matt Gates say? Matt Gates was like, when I'm back in, uh, we're going to nominate President Trump as the Speaker of the House. Okay, now this is an issue that Matt Gates, uh, that, uh, that has been brought up a lot within the Patriot circles, right? About whether or not President Trump will serve as the Speaker of the House, okay, We'll let it be known, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you could not tell where President Trump stood on this issue on Saturday's rally, President Trump spells it out pretty clearly in this interview exactly where he stands in regard to him being the Speaker of the House. I won't spoil it for you guys, but President Trump is rather loud and clear about whether or not he is going to serve as Speaker of the House. And before we get into this, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let me thank uh, some of the folks over at uh, pill.net and the foxhole.app, uh, they are just, they are donating to this show like crazy right now over there, guys. Thank you so much for your donations. First of all, I want to say from my heart to yours, I uh, definitely appreciate, uh, you sending over your support. You can do it any way you want. You know, if you're over on rumble, they've got the rumble rants, although I don't have a monitor on that at this moment. Uh, you know, we do also uh, PayPal and Cash App. Um, we also buy me a coffee. Uh, but thank you again to uh, Empress Beach to you, Railanon, 123SKG, Chipmunk45. Uh, you guys are just throwing Aurelius Lock. Y'all are throwing repeated donations this way. And I thank you so much for your support. Trust me and believe me, I, it goes a long way. And I definitely, definitely, definitely... Um, uh, appreciate you guys from the bottom of my heart. From my heart to yours is what I like to say here over at the Sea Report. From my heart to yours. And uh, well, with that, guys, let's jump into this interview, guys. Now, this show is not done by far. We've got a lot of other um, uh, things to, con uh, to cover tonight. But I wanted to make sure that we had the moment and the chance to check out this interview. It's a very good interview. It's a very good interview uh, with uh, John Solomon and Nina Head. And I think you guys will rather enjoy it. 
Chipmunk45, thank you for the phone. Railanon, thank you for the match. Let's check this out, y'all, and enjoy. I'll see you guys on the other side. We're not done yet. By far, we got a lot more to cover before we let you go this evening. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The Sea Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecereport.com. At thecereport.com, you can get more information on The Sea Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecereport.com, that's www.thecereport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pilt.net. With President Trump, America's 45th president, we're going to talk about all of the issues of the day and the emergence of the Trump doctrine. I know a lot of people want that doctrine back in the White House. Sir, thank you for joining us well, today. Thank you very much, Jim. I want to start with something that I know we saw all through your presidency, the media's treatment of you. It doesn't matter what the facts are. There seems to always be a negative headline, even if it's contrived. How do you deal with that personally, and how do you want to deal with it professionally? Well, they're fake, and they're crooked, and they're corrupt, and it's a horrible thing, and people didn't know it to anywhere near the extent before me, and now they know it. I mean, the public understands it. Uh, they lie. They cheat. It's, I've never seen anything like it. I never knew it was that corrupt. I knew it was, there was a lot of fake stuff going on. Yeah. But since I got into politics, I, I had a lot of media before, you know, with The Apprentice and all the things I've done and the business. But I've never seen anything like it. It's, you cannot, they will not write a good story. Uh, I have great poll numbers. They don't put them out. I have great things happening. Like uh, just the other day, we had a, a fantastic rally in Georgia. Some guy from, I think it's NPR or something, I never heard of the person, said, oh, the rally wasn't well attended. The sheriff just said it was 25,000 people. He said it was a couple of thousand people or less than 5,000 people. I, we had less than 5,000 people, and we had 5,000 people in the first few rows. I think you were there. Your people, yeah. your cameramen are just yeah. saying, yeah. sir, that rally was packed. It was. And we had 25, maybe 35,000 people. And then other people pick it up. Oh, the Trump rally. These rallies, you can't even get into them. The nope. people get their six, and I have to put up with this. I had the Washington Post uh, write a story that a rally I was giving in a, an arena, that the arena was empty. It was a man that you know very well in the Washington Post, and it was empty about 10 hours before. <laughs> he was sitting there, and he showed an empty, th thousands of people outside waiting to get in. Yeah. And then they came, and he had to do an apology, actually, because the arena was packed. And you know who went after him? The people in the arena. Because they saw it, that it was an empty arena. And you couldn't, I mean, they used the, the steps as seats. It was thousands and thousands of people. More than, far more than an NBA game. His name was Weigel or Weigel for the Washington Post. And he had to do an apology. It was fake news. And they do it all the time. They did it with my inauguration. They take pictures hours and hours before the inauguration starts. And then they talk about the crowd. We had a massive crowd. And if you see the late pictures when I was speaking, but they don't show those pictures. No, we have such a corrupt media, but this rally in Georgia was a tremendous hit in actually bad weather. You know, we had weather that was very cold and it was cold in South Carolina. That was another great one. But these are cold rallies uh, right now. And 
the people are showing up by the tens of thousands. In Texas, we had 87,000 people. In Alabama, where Mo Brooks blew it, by the way, Mo Brooks is another story. So he has a 53-point lead after I endorse him. Nothing before I endorse him. He's got a 53-point lead. And then he goes out and starts talking about, let's get on to the future. Let's not talk about the 2020 election fraud anymore, which you cover better than anybody. He loses his entire lead, and he goes from first place unbeatable to last place. It's not going to do anything. He gets booed out of the stadium, gets booed out. He, I never saw it. I've never heard. I said, what did he say? And there was only one thing he said. He said, let's get on to the future. Let's forget about the 2020 election. So he goes from first place to last place in a period of one hour, but the press doesn't say that. They say, my endorsement didn't have the weight. My endorsement lifted him up to, he was winning by 54 points. What was your record in the last election? Oh, well, 33 and nothing in Texas. Yeah. No, my record's hundreds and hundreds yeah. to like two or three. Yeah. And it's very important to me, you know, that, and I endorse a lot of people that are long shots. Look, in, uh, we're fighting a governor who's done a very poor job in Georgia and a horrible job on the election. And hopefully David Perdue's gonna win. I mean, that's, you know, these are not sure things. And if I lose one along the way, which you have to, right? They're gonna say this was a humiliating experience. They'll make it like, I could be 100 wins and one loss, and they'd make it sound like this is a humiliating. These are really dishonest people. Hey, Mr. President, since you brought up Mo Brooks, after withdrawing his endorsement, there are some other candidates that you have endorsed that a lot of the MAGA faithful and America First faithful are dubious about. Are there other candidates that you've already endorsed that are on the chopping block? Well, there were a couple that I endorsed that people weren't happy about, but, you know, they stuck with me, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I endorsed some that said bad things about me. But if you go by that, I wouldn't be able to endorse too many. You know, if you think about it, you go back to 2016 sure. because yeah. expected that. they were with Ted Cruz or they were with Marco or they were with somebody. So, you know, they said a lot of bad things. I think overall they're very happy with them, and some are really out there, but some are... Uh, there are a few that, that uh, they weren't particularly happy with. I understand that. And uh, sometimes, by the way, I'm not that happy, too. I'll say, wow, I didn't know they said this or that. But in the Mo Brooks case, he had something that he was fighting for, which is an election integrity of 2020. And he walked away, gave it up. I was there. I have never heard a person get booed like that. Well, we covered that rally, and the, the anger was visceral. Uh -huh. I mean... He blew the election. I told him. I said, you have a 54-point lead. You just blew the election. And then they blame it on me. They say, well, his endorsement isn't what it used to be. It had nothing to do. I gave him a 54-point lead. He then went against me. And you know who he hired? He hired people that worked for John McCain and worked for, I think, Romney. And they gave him some really great advice. They said, what's we got about? <laughs> so it's uh, one of those things. But... Uh, it's sad. I, I hate to see it. I've never, you know, to unendorse a candidate, yeah. but I don't want to, you know, if, if I stayed with him, they'll say Trump endorsed him and he went down in flames. Well, he went down in flames from a 54-point lead, and if he didn't show up to the rally, he would have won this election in a landslide. I don't even think the other two people would have run. So they gave him very bad advice, and 
He listened. Then he tried to take it back, but you can't take it back. It doesn't work. Well, once out, always out. Sir, when you handed over the keys to 1600, the world was pretty peaceful. Right. Gas was $2. Very peaceful. Actually. Inflation was down to almost nothing. Uh, the border was completely secured in a way we haven't seen in decades. Now it's a mess. Uh, I want to start with Ukraine and Russia. What would you do if you got back in office to try to put that situation back together to get peace in Eastern Europe? And do you think the president made a big mistake when he called out and said he wanted Putin removed from power? So, first of all, it would have never happened. I have to say that. This would have never happened, Ukraine. And I spoke to Putin about it. I know Putin very well. I spoke to him about a lot of things. And I spoke to him about Ukraine because I know he wanted it. But he knew he could not do it. Not with me. And I don't have to go into the statement, but you know what the statement I made was. But it was a strong statement. Don't do it. It was a strong statement. And he didn't do it. And he wouldn't have done it. You know, I, I see where Sleepy Eyes Chuck Todd on NBC Meet the Fake Press. He goes, <laughs> he goes out and he said to somebody something. I said, I couldn't believe it. Maybe I'll have to change my mind about Chuck Todd. Because he said, how come this never happened in Trump? There were no planes flying over Taiwan. There were no threats. Now Taiwan's under threat, serious threat. And there, were, there was nothing, nothing happened in Ukraine. You didn't even really hear about Ukraine. With All of a sudden, I'm out, and, and they start forming on the border. And I actually thought it was a negotiating ploy. I thought it was very smart, because they said, that's a good way to negotiate. But it wasn't. No, and I think if Putin no. had it to do again, he would have maybe done everything the same, but he wouldn't have gone in. No, I thought he was negotiating. And so did a lot of people. Uh, most people didn't think he'd do this. And I think what forced him to do it was uh, Afghanistan. When he saw how bad we, how incompetently we handled that removal, and I'm the one that got it down to 2,000 soldiers, except we're going to keep Bagram because of China. It's right next to China, one hour where they make their, one hour away from where they make their nuclear weapons. Uh, I think what happened, he was on the border. He had 200,000 people. He was negotiating. He was going to make a good deal. And then he saw what happened in Afghanistan. And he said, man, these guys are incompetent. Let's go in. And he didn't know the force that he'd be met with. It was a pretty big force. I think a lot of Americans are recognizing that the problems we are experiencing right now were not a reality when you were in the White House. If you run and win in 2024, as far as foreign policy, the foreign policy blunders, the JCPOA, Afghanistan, Russia, Ukraine, if you run and win and you have to triage all of those issues, what do you think is the most important to tackle first? Well, I love your question, especially the first part, because these things would have, we would have never been talking. I'll give you an example, supply chain. You go to a store, they don't have bread. We're like a third world country. They don't have things. You go to buy something at Tiffany. You go to buy something at a hardware store, high, low. They don't have product. They say, even me, when I order things like for furnishings, for a building or something, they say it's going to take nine months to get it. Used to be like same-day service. Um, supply chain. We never even heard the term. It wasn't like... The, the system was working. The system's totally broken. Our system is broken. And we're going into socialism, and we're going into communism. You know, I see where the people of Russia don't know they're, they're in a war. It's very interesting. Well, our people, we're treated the same. We're, we're getting to that point. As an example with Hunter Biden, where they didn't report any of the, you know, activities 
on the laptop. But it was worse than that. You know that. It wasn't like they didn't report. They knew it was bad. It was, they say, 17 points bad for Biden. And, and we won it by a lot anyway, but that way you couldn't have. It was so big. And so seven, it made a 17-point difference. And then they announced a year, almost a year and a half later, that, by the way, we got it wrong. But they didn't get it wrong. They did that on purpose. And so did other of the media. And they said the laptop was made by Russia. Think of it. In all fairness, Putin at that time must have thought we were nuts. He, the whole thing. he had to be laughing. He's probably sitting back. And we made him look good because if it was done by Russia, it was so genius, right? But it wasn't done by Russia. It had nothing to do with Russia, Russia, Russia. But they made it Russia. Russia's always the bad one. You ever notice it's never China. No, it's, it's always, always Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. Well, that's because they're all making no, money out of China. They're reversing all your China no, policies. No, no, all the crooked politicians yeah. are making money out of that's what it China. Is. I think we have a lot of things we have to do. We have to immediately seal up the border. And we have to get a lot of the people out because many of these people came from prisons in these countries. And last month, there were 129 countries. It's no longer just those few countries, including Mexico, right. that I talk about all the time. It's now like 140 countries. Some people said they didn't know there were that many. They're just flooding in. And they're almost all letting their prisoners out into the United States. Why wouldn't they? It's very expensive keeping prisoners, and they don't want them anyway. So that's one thing we have to do. Uh, we have to straighten out inflation, which we can do much easier than people know. I, I think if you got the energy cost, you know, I had energy down to $1.87 a gallon. Think of that. Yeah. Forget about the price per barrel, because most people don't know what that means. Right. But we're setting records. You know, we're setting yeah. records. But we now have the most expensive gasoline in the history of our country. And we had it down below $2, way, way down below. Actually, in one way, I had to get it up because I said, I don't want to lose the oil yeah. companies, okay? And, you know, some of them don't love me because I made them work harder and make <laughs> yeah. less money. They worked harder and made less money, but yeah. it was a beautiful thing. But if energy comes down, it's so important. Other parts of inflation are coming down. I was seeing today, I read, where uh, food is going to make energy look like it's a good deal, that the food prices are going to go up much more very soon, much more than the energy prices did. And the energy prices now I'm seeing in places like Midwest stuff, Midwest where it was never that bad. In right. California, it would go up to seven, eight dollars, but right. in the Midwest, I hear it's over five dollars. It is. But it's going to go up. And I predicted this during the debates. I predicted this. And one thing while I'm on your show, as long as Putin now is not exactly a fan of our country, let him explain where did, because Chris Wallace wouldn't let me ask the question, why did the mayor of Moscow's wife give the Bidens, both of them, three and a half million dollars? That's a lot of money. She gave him three and a half million dollars. So now I would think Putin would know the answer to that. I think he should release it. I think we should know that answer. Now, you won't get the answer from Ukraine, but why are they giving somebody who knows nothing about energy $187,000 a month plus a $3 million upfront payment? And I won't even talk about China because they haven't gone into yeah. Taiwan yet. Right. 
That'll be next. But why did the mayor of Moscow's wife give the Biden family three and a half million dollars? Nobody wants to ask the question. And Chris Wallace, who's a total lightweight, unlike his father, who interviewed me for 60 minutes, who was actually a good piece. Mike Wallace was great. He wants to be Mike Wallace, but he doesn't have the talent. But why is it that the mayor of Moscow's wife gave the Biden family three and a half million dollars? I think Putin now would be willing to probably give that answer. I'm sure he knows. And there are 200 million more mentioned in the documents that went to other entities oh, around him. Oh, it's the numbers. It's, 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 it's yeah. crazy. Tip the iceberg. You mentioned China, Mr. President. Um, when you were president, you did something called the Quad that really built regional strength there. If you got back in office, would you focus on creating a NATO, a PATO for the Pacific? Well, I think this NATO maybe should be involved. You know, we spent so much money defending Europe, and then they took advantage of us very badly on trade. They were almost as bad as China, frankly. How many cars are being sold in Berlin? Let's say Chevrolets or Fords. How about none? How many anythings are being sold? They don't take our farm products. They don't take our cars. They don't take most of our products. And then we defend them under NATO, and they didn't pay their bills. And they love to say, oh, Trump wasn't with, well, I did a great job for NATO because, in fact, the one person that loves me is Stoltenberg. He said, I didn't think it was possible. I came in, first meeting, I you know, had to get a little familiar with it, right? 28 countries were, many of them, 20 of them were not paid or paid far less than they were supposed to be. And I said, fellas, you're delinquent. In most cases, fellas, let's see, in two cases, not. <laughs> I said, you're delinquent. You're not paying your bills. You gotta pay your bills. We'll talk about it the next time. The next time I went in and they asked me the question, they said, will you defend us from Russia, originally Soviet Union, but now Russia, if we're not paid up? I said, no, I won't. I will not, not while I'm president. The money poured in. I saved NATO. Yeah. Yep. $425 billion, billion, came in like clockwork, okay? Major success. But you know who didn't pay up? Germany didn't pay up and some others. They take advantage of us. They really do. And uh, it's sort of a shame. But I'm the best thing that ever happened to NATO because I made them pay. So NATO has plenty of money now. And by the way, that's another. I'm the one brought up Nord Stream 2. Yep. You right. never, you even you, it? No. you're the best. You never heard of Nord Stream 2. I'm no. the one that. You blocked it? I terminated it. They weren't going to have it. He then nope. opened it. And I'm the one that got NATO the money to defend themselves against Russia. And then they'd say, Russia is, he's so nice to Russia. I'm the one that put the biggest sanctions on Russia and China, by the way. In fact, now he wants to take the tariffs off China. You know why? For inflation. Yep. Figure that one out. He wants to take tariffs off China to cover mm -hmm. our inflation. You also ended your Chinese spying program. You, all the work you did reign in the spies. We had, that, we had that down to a science, and they ended it. Well, don't forget, his son manages uh, $1.5 billion of Chinese money. Even though the biggest people on Wall Street can't do that, I asked the two biggest people, I said, did you ever get a deal like that where you get a large sum? To, he said, no, China doesn't do that. They manage their own money, he said. So Mr. Okay. President, there were a lot of things that you had down to a science. And I know that the border, there were more things you wanted to do, but it was so much better before. With the repealing of the Remain in Mexico policy. Now that was so important. Yeah, so and the important. COVID era, Title 42, yeah. that's going to be another 150,000 immigrants. 
The cynical side of me says it feels like controlled demolition. I don't want to believe that, but that's what it seems like with President Biden. They're destroying our country. I had the border to the best numbers ever in recorded history by far. And they were only getting better. I had, we were taking out thousands and thousands of bad people, criminals, MS-13. We were taking them out by the thousands, bringing them back to their countries. Their country said no. I said, that's okay. We're not going to pay the country anymore. We're not going to pay you the hundreds of millions. Then they said, yes, absolutely. We'd love to take them back. But they weren't being taken back under Obama at all. But with me, they took them back. We got rid of thousands of people. And now when I watch this coming, they're all coming back in. Those same people are coming back in. Sure. 25% of them. We never had a border so secure. Our drug numbers were way down. Now they're up 10 times. Our drug numbers were way, way down because it was so hard to get in. And we were only getting better. And the wall was very close. I mean, other than the two and a half years I had to wait to win lawsuits, the wall was getting absolutely, it was really in a, just in a great, it was in a great position. We were going to have it finished in three weeks. And it really helped us anyway, because we built, a, you know, hundreds of miles of wall, exactly the wall the Border Patrol wanted. So when I watch to see what's happening, it's very, very sad. I mean, our country is being destroyed by these people. The border's a disaster. We're no longer respected. They don't respect our leader at all. They don't respect Biden at all. It's, uh, it's, so, it's so sad to see what's happened to our great USA. But uh, we can come back. I think, I think these midterms are vital just vital. And uh, I think the House is in great shape. I think uh, the Senate's hurt badly by Mitch McConnell, very badly. I think he's a he's terrible. He's also terrible for our country, but it's hurt very badly by Mitch McConnell. I mean, look at what he does on the debt ceiling. He could have gotten everything. He gave it away for nothing. And then he gave him an infrastructure bill. That's not infrastructure. Only 9% is infrastructure. And he gave him a victory. I said to the people, other senators, why did he do that? And we had certain senators vote for that. And some were, some were very good people. I like them a lot. But I said, what's wrong with you? Why do you do that? It's, it's sad. So he's bad. But I think we're going to do very well in the House. And we have a chance to get the Senate, too. But I think we're going to do very well in the House. Well, I want to ask a follow-up while we're talking about Congress, because these comments went viral. At the rally, when Congressman Matt Gates brought up you being nominated for Speaker of the House, and I, your reaction intrigued me because I couldn't tell one way or the other how you felt about that. Your reaction? No, I think that uh, it's not something I want to do. A lot of people bring it up. It's brought up all the time. Yeah. Um, no, it's not something I want to do. I want to look at what's happening, and then we're going to be doing something else. No, it's not something I would be interested in. Sir, last question, because I know you have to run. Yeah. Um, election integrity. There's still a lot of issues out there, not only from 2020, but the way the rules are set. Non-citizen uh, non -citizen voting creeping into some states. Mass mailing of ballots still going on a lot of places. Ballot harvesting being looked at. Do you feel confident that Republicans can get control of the election system, and what do they need to do? So Georgia is very weak. They passed a very weak law. Texas passed a very strong law. Yeah. Georgia, with this Kemp, doesn't even have signature verification. And the bill was sent to him with signature verification. He didn't want to have it. 
He's afraid of Stacey Abrams. If there's something going on with Kemp, it's so badly run. Texas has a great law. Nothing's going to happen there. They have a great law. Yeah. They passed a really, very strong one. And so did many other states. But it's like Florida. Everyone said, oh, Florida, Florida. Uh, but I won in like a landslide. The way you win is you have to win them. Because when they have no voter ID, defund the police, sanctuary cities, weak military, we're going to raise your taxes, no energy independence, all things that were all done. And they're against it. Bad on religion, bad on the Second Amendment, bad on oil. Think of it. They said, I'm going to have a close race in Texas, but they're against God, right? You, it just look at it. God, guns, and oil. I won Texas in a, in a record, right? But, you know, the, the papers are so corrupt, the media is so corrupt that they actually build up a case like a tough race. We won that massively. We won many of them massively. I say we won every swing state by a lot. And you are one of the people that cover it. You understand exactly what I'm talking about. It was, it was corrupt. But when you have policies like that, like you're against the Second Amendment, there's so many different things. I don't believe they're a 50-50 party. I think they cheat on elections. That's what I think. And the way you beat it also, in addition to what they're doing, is you have to swamp them. Because there comes a point when they can't cheat that much. I believe that happened in Florida. That's why I did so well. One mm -hmm. final question. As far as the protection of midterm elections 2024 and the RNC's involvement, what more can they be doing to fortify the elections? Well, the vote counter in his last election was much more important than the candidate. And the vote counters were, uh, there was great dishonesty. Look, it's been proven. Look at Wisconsin, what's going on. Sure. I think they may decertify their election, yeah. where they had almost 100% of people in nursing homes voted. But if you go over the last 30, 40 years, it was a tiny little percentage, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and then people would come forward, my mother didn't vote, my mother's in a coma, right. my yeah. father didn't vote, people died, and they voted. Look, we have a very corrupt, I never thought I'd be saying it, but we have, and, and I can say it very nicely, because anybody, they don't want, ever want me to, they never take me on on that, they no. just go with the big lie, they keep saying, the big lie, the big lie, but they never want to sort of, hey, sit down and let's talk. We'll go state by state. Yeah, fact by fact. Yep. Remember I offered to debate anybody yep. on the election. You know, I didn't have one person. No one took you up, huh? I would get big, big ratings. No. I offered to debate any Democrat politician on the election of 2020. And they didn't because they can't defend it. If you look at Arizona, all you have to do is look at the findings. And don't forget, I so-called lost by a whisker, just a little bit. And then they have 10,000 votes here, 30,000 votes here, all different ways, not just one yeah, way. All different findings. So I offered to do a debate, public debate. Nobody took me on. So it's one of those things. They know it's crooked. We have very crooked elections. We don't have a free press. We really don't have free speech anymore. Very bad, very dangerous. These elections are going to be absolutely critical for this country. John, I think we have an idea for a week of shows. Tackle a different state every night. Yeah, let's do it. It'd be very easy. Let's see if we can get someone to come and debate you. We'll it's do it. It's so easy. Yeah, it is. That, oh. would be the, that would be the easiest of all. It would. 
Mr. Woods. Sir, thank you so much for your time. I know how busy you are. It's an honor to always be with you. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, what'd you guys think about that, huh? What did you guys think about that interview with John Solomon and uh, is it Nina Head, Christina Head, something Head? Oh, Amanda Head. Amanda Head. I, I don't remember Amanda Head looking like that, if I were to be absolutely honest with you. I thought, I think I'm getting Amanda Head confused with the other news anchor that they have over at Just the News, Not the Noise. Either way, a stunning interview. Uh, before we talk a little bit about that, um, I just really needed and wanted to thank um, to thank the audience over at the foxhole.app and pill.net um, for your support tonight. Um, thank you so much, guys. I just don't. I these are the kinds of moments where I just am a little bit at a loss for words. Um, uh, when you got. <laughs> When you guys do the things that you guys do, I appreciate you dropping all the gold pills over to the show for your support. Uh, it really, it, it does help keep the lights on here, guys. Keeps me, uh, keeps me, keeps me running up and going. Uh, lets me know I'm doing something worth exploring with you all. And from my heart to yours, not from the bottom of my heart, because you don't want what's at the bottom. You want it. <laughs> That's just a play on words I do, guys. It's just a play on words. But thank you so much. Thank you so much, Relanon and everyone else um, who donated to the show tonight. Uh, gold pills, guys. Gold pills. Gold pills. They made it rain tonight, guys. And I appreciate you guys so much for your support and for uh, being here with us uh, every time we do a show. You know, sometimes I don't even know. Uh, what a show is going to look like, but uh, I, I usually have a pretty good idea, and, and that's not what we're here for, you know. But but it definitely uh, kind of gives me a meter every now and then, and uh, I I don't always uh, I don't always reach uh, the um, amount of gold pills that you guys uh, shared with the show tonight, and, and maybe some people out there are wondering what the heck are gold pills and what he's talking about. It's it's a, a system that's pretty similar, I guess, to uh, other other ways of doing things. Like uh, D Live has their their system of uh, appreciation. Uh, Twitch, you throw bits and you subscribe, etc. Rumble rants, you rumble, you rant your rumbles. But uh, thank you again so much. Thank you guys so much, all of you guys. Tam Growl, Bill Tech, Bubbles, Relanon especially, um, C Blanche, <laughs> Aurelius Locke, uh, all of you guys. 123SKG, Skeeter Burke, Emperor Speech to you. Uh, you guys have been just throwing a lot of love this way tonight. And uh, Victoria, I definitely appreciate you all uh, for doing that. I can't tell you guys how much... Um, I cannot tell you how much of my gratitude is extended toward you all tonight uh, for that. So thank you again so much. <laughs> and uh, hey, Two Rivers, what's up, buddy? And uh, hey, Seize the Day 911 is throwing in a cookie. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Seize the Day. You, uh, cookie, a cookie fight of sorts, Mr. C, uh, Mr. Seize the Day 911. A cookie a fight of sorts. Uh, but I appreciate y'all's love coming this way. And uh, 
So we just wrapped up a President Trump interview with John Solomon and Amanda Head of Just the News. Uh, A very good interview. You know, um, President Trump brought up the subject matter of Mo Brooks. Okay, now I will never forget whenever uh, Mo Brooks was giving his speech over at the Alabama President Trump rally. This is the same rally that uh, Rhino Robin Voss rode on a private plane with President Trump down to Alabama. Same rally. Is this a coincidence? Was this, was this a knockout of the rhinos in the bouts or something like that? Because Robin Voss rides with President Trump on a personal plane down to Alabama. And on that same rally, we have Mo Brooks. And I'll never forget it, guys. I'll never forget it. Mo Brooks was like, we need to get past 2020. We need to look ahead. Forget about the past. And I was like, oh, no, 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 Mo Brooks. We cannot secure our elections 2020 and moving forward unless we secure 2020. So I thought that was... A very bad thing for Mo Brooks to say. And here it is. When was the Alabama? When was the Alabama Trump rally, guys? It was last year. Okay. So here we stand in March. Okay. And President Trump has rescinded his endorsement of Mo Brooks. I could have said the same thing, okay? Because whenever Mo Brooks did that, I was like, let me look up as much information into Mo Brooks as I can because I swear there's something not right here about Mo Brooks saying, forget about the past. Yeah, Mo Brooks was pulling a Madonna. He was like, don't hold on to the past. Mm -hmm. He was like, that's too much to ask, right? Right? (laughs) He was doing an entire league of their own thing with with President Trump. That's what Mo Brooks was doing. And so uh, we were like, no, Mo Brooks, why did you have to go and do and say that? And, you know, the thing about it is every article that I could find with Mo Brooks and Trump was good. Like Mo Brooks was for Trump. Mo Brooks was for Trump. But apparently... As President Trump brought out in this interview, Mo Brooks hired individuals that got him to get off of that topic, right? And then, of course, uh, President Trump also was asked by Amanda Head in a rather non-professional way. I don't know. It seems to me that, like, any of the questions that Amanda Head had to ask were kind of, like, cut in and, like edited to sound like it flowed. I don't know if that was the case. I'm not ragging on John Solomon or just the news, not the noise, obviously, because their outfit is doing a whole lot more than my outfit is doing, but it seems a little edited. Uh, But, you know, she asked him about the House Speaker situation. So I think it's pretty awesome that we can put that to rest, right? Uh, that President Trump will not be the next House Speaker of the United States of America in the Congress. President Trump has no interest in being the House Speaker. I mean, of course, why would he? He never even conceded uh, defeat to Joe Biden. So as a standing elected, duly elected president, why would he 
confer down to the position of Speaker of the House, even if it's strategic, okay? It makes no sense. It never made any sense. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe Matt Matt Gates was one of two things. Either Matt Gates was trying to make a point or Matt Gates was trying to make a point. And those points being President Trump could be Speaker of the House or President Trump don't have no desire to be Speaker of the House. So let me just put him on the spot and let me just call him out and see what he has to say about this so that it is clear beyond a shadow of a doubt to all of the individuals out there who speculate, including myself, that President Trump is not going to be Speaker of the House. Pretty crazy, huh? Pretty good, though. I'm glad that Amanda Head asked that question, in fact, because it is something that needed clarification. Now, in regards to the entire Russia situation, I think this is also a very interesting dynamic when we're talking about President Trump and uh, where this country is going and who is doing what it is with it, because there's so many different uh, coins to be tossed in this regard. Um, of course, we know, I know, I feel within myself that were President Trump still in office, Putin, President Putin, may not, would not, could not have made the move that he did against Ukraine. But that also begs the question about whether or not this move against Ukraine by President Putin is not something that should have happened within the realms of a certain specified movie that we all are watching. And I think a lot of this here are pretty much on that same page, right? We're pretty much on the same page that this is a movie that we are watching, that things had to be this way for a reason, because those who are not in the know will become knowing of these things as they progress. You know, while those of us who are in the know or the supposed seeming no, will sit back and kind of watch this unfold as it does. And yet at the same time, we cannot be so beside ourselves as not to commit some type of action or commit some type of, um, some type of uh, delegation of responsibility towards ensuring that this no that we know about occurs. Does that make sense? I think it does. I think it does. Um, because after all, guys, like faith without works is dead. The whole point of us knowing and awakening and joining each other was to ensure that we got something done, right? That we didn't just sit about our laurels waiting for someone else to do something for us or someone else to come and rescue us. I think, I think we're all beyond that point. I think we're all beyond the point of us just sitting back and doing nothing. I think, at least since I've been on the air, that we have all been doing something. That we have all been doing something to contribute towards this um, uh, upheaval against what otherwise would be considered 
the domination of the worldwide geopolitical structure and militaristic structure as taken upon themselves by entities within the deep state, the globalist uh, regime, the transhumanist agenda, whatever you want to call it. But it's all kind of coming to a head, you know. And I think this really, really came to a head or it started to bear its fruit uh, this past weekend. And we're going back because don't forget, I've been off the air for about, you know, what, three or four days when uh, when uh, illegitimate Joe went out and said something like, what? What did he say? He said that we are, there's a new world order and we have got to lead it. Now, we have not talked about that here on the Sea Report yet. But as you guys may know, as you guys probably experienced for yourself, this was quite the talk of the town for a few days, ladies and gentlemen. Quite the talk of the town. 123SKG says the movie about exposing corruption of U.S. involvement is needed for a full draining of the swamp. And that, I think, is a 100% true statement by any means and faction because that's the thing that people don't seem to be able to grasp onto. Like, people still seem to be able to think that anyone that they vote for, regardless of what party it is or who these people are involved with, that they are going to do the right thing by them. Okay, that is 100% further from the truth than anything that we have come to know. Because they have been taking advantage of us from the jump is what it seems like and probably what it is. Okay, but, you know, President Select... The uh, resident-in-chief, the uh, occupier of the White House, throwing out comms about uh, New World Order. One had to wonder exactly what this guy meant and if he was even being serious. And that's where, you know, this whole movie thing comes up to mind again. Because uh, what kind of a moron would say something like that? Like... Unless the Washington body is so disconnected from what their opposition knows, learns, believes. Unless their opposition is so brainwashed and so lied to and so jaded that we will follow anything that they say. And might I say... In the last three or four days, laying on my back, reviewing a whole bunch of different media, this thought did cross my mind, you know, that, uh, well, you know, perhaps all of this is a just grand staged play, you know, and this goes all the way up to President Trump, which I don't care to get into at this moment. Well, maybe we'll do it in the dark sometime. I realize I keep talking about doing this in the dark, but... Uh, maybe we will soon. Maybe we will soon, you know. But even even to the point of Putin, where I even have members of my audience saying Putin's bone structure does not look the same as it did 10 years ago. Well, by gosh and by golly, it's true. 
They don't look the same. Putin's, uh, you know, his his jawline and his bone structure's gotten a lot rounder than it used to be. He used to look a lot more svelte and more uh, angular back in the past days. But you know what? We're not going to talk about that right now. Because God Almighty, good Lord Jesus Christ, I don't know if we could stomach that right at this moment. And uh, there are a lot of things that go along with this train of thought, but we're going to follow this one for tonight, okay? We've got a selected and an installed president, okay? Not by any means or circumstances one that was elected, okay? We've got irrefutable evidence and proof that this man was installed as a president against a duly elected leader of this country. Standing up against a world power whom for what we have been told and what we have been shared in regards to information has stood up against the globalist world powers from the jump. Okay? And then we have this this uh this 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 illegitimate president going on the world scene and talking about new world orders, okay, and other things of that nature, ridiculous to think that someone like him could be so incompetent as to talk about these topics at this given time, at this moment, unless it was done intentionally. To where we would know that this person is literally a part of a play in a movie that we are now watching because we need to be shown and we cannot be told. Okay. So much so that the black hat white house would have to go back and correct this man and what he says so that this way it will not be construed that these individuals are going to make the moves that they are going to make, even though they said it from their mouth themselves. Okay, what am I talking about here? I'm talking about Joe Biden saying that he's going to respond in kind to chemical weapon attacks. I'm talking about Joe Biden telling the uh, military and the armed forces in Poland, the United States armed forces, that they are going to be going into Ukraine, okay? And then you have to have the White House come out and correct him and say, oh, well, the armed forces we have stationed in Poland, they're not going into Ukraine. Oh, well, you know, um, uh, Putin might use chemical weapons, but we're never going to use chemical weapons. That stuff I'm talking about, that stuff is the easy stuff to read when we're talking about how it is that we have this imbecile in office spreading all of this quagmire of falsities but eventual truths, this is what they want to do, okay? So this guy's out of control is kind of what they're saying. You probably have people like Ned Price and you probably have people in the Pentagon standing back saying, holy crap, this idiot just gave away our position, which is false flag, false flag, false flag, false flag, false flag, okay? Okay. 
which is we're going to blame a cyber attack on Putin. We're going to blame a chemical attack on Putin. We're going to blame a nuclear attack on Putin. But this is what they're planning to do from the jump. In fact, it's going to escalate up to that point. It's going to be cyber attack, chemical attack, nuclear attack. That is probably the deep state, the State Department's plan. Cyber attack, chemical attack, nuclear attack, right? They're building us up for it. They're trying to psyop us with this while they have this entire other psyop going on that is saying that that is not the way it's going to be. Like, there's, like, multiple psyops going on right now. This is such a crazy time, ladies and gentlemen, that I don't even know that I care to be in the know. You know what I mean? Like, I am just going to narrate everything that we're saying to you. I don't need to get ahead of the intel, even though it's out there. And maybe we'll spill into that in our next episode. But as for right now, multiple psyops running on this Putin nuclear America, nuclear chemical. You just know when America and their deep state gets out there and talks about chemical attacks and nuclear attacks and cyber attacks that they are talking about themselves doing against Putin. And we will spill into Putin and his stance here in just a minute. Let me, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's do this here. What's up next? Okay. So here's an example, as you guys might remember, when Biden first met with Putin, right? The very first time they have their 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 comeuppance together. And this is going back to 2021. Ooh, it was such a long time ago, right? But you can clearly see here from this article exactly where it stood, right? You know, it says here, President Biden refused a joint news conference with Russian President Vladimir Putin following their first summit Wednesday to avoid a PR disaster, yet the Moscow strongman still won the day. You guys remember this, right? So he, uh, you know, Biden can't really meet with Putin. Where I stand on this regard is that they know he's an illegitimate president. And the ones that are really standing... Um, against it aren't going to put up with it. So here's where my dilemma is, right? Is Putin fighting with the white hats in order to ensure that the deep state globalist, transhumanist, filth, Satanist pieces of garbage don't rue out the day. And it's the bankers too, right? They're all part of that same structure that um, it seems that Putin has been fighting against. Or is Putin on their side, but still playing some type of a game and or show and or movie against everybody? Like, at this point, if you want to talk about things like Tartaria, and you want to talk about things like ancient histories that have been erased, etc., then it stands to reason that all of this on the surface is 100% fabricated, and we are 1,000% being lied to about anything. And they're just watching us spin our heads in circles, laughing and enjoying the entertainment. That, my friends, is a rather cynical point of view. But... Getting back to this, it says, indeed, Biden actually got angrier with an American journalist than with the dictator who used his opportunity to deny, deflect and deceive, raising his own standing at Biden's expense. Just a day before, off the Hawaiian coast, 
Russia's Navy conducted military exercises on a scale not seen since the Cold War. The provocation cost Putin nothing. The summit ended with Biden calling the meeting's tone positive and Putin declaring there has been no hostility. So imagine that, guys. Like, the day before Putin meets Biden for the very first time, Putin is running military exercises off the coast of Hawaii, okay? And Biden says nothing. Biden says it was a positive meeting. Do you think that Putin might have known where he stands in this world in comparison to America based on that one meeting at that one point of time? I think it is pretty, pretty um, easy to assess that Putin knew back then Prior to going into Ukraine, prior to any of these dealings with Europe, the European Union, NATO, and America, I think it's pretty safe to say that he knew he would be able to stampede and run over this country with that fop in office. The question here still stands. Is Putin a good guy or a bad guy? Okay. Now, we have Kaori in the chat room that's saying, Putin destroyed the United States-sponsored biolabs. I stand by that personally based on what I've seen of this entire skirmish between Putin and Ukraine. You know, and, and where all of the meat is coming out happens also to be within Biden uh, Hunter's laptop which is another interesting facet of this story. Let's finish this article from 2021. Yes, Biden claimed he took Putin to task for the attempted murder of critic Alexei Navalny and the imprisonment of two Americans. If Navalny dies in prison, said Biden, I made it clear to him that the consequences of that will be devastating for Russia. Though he did not detail any consequences, and he said he chided Putin for letting hackers disrupt United States oil supplies from Russian soil. Yet Biden insisted he'd made no threats. He handed Putin a list of 16 critical infrastructure elements that should be off limits to cyber attacks. Cyber attacks. Does he then mean he's fine with Russia or criminals operating from there striking anything else? Russia's inference in other countries' elections, Biden also told Putin, diminishes its standing. Yet Russia is not going to change its bad behavior in the hopes of being liked. Putin, meanwhile, took questions for nearly an hour, turning them against America. When a United States reporter asked about his ban on Nalvini's group, he pointed to the January 6th Capitol riot, false flag, and said that we don't want to happen, we don't want that to happen on our territory. Biden called that a ridiculous comparison, but Putin is playing to his own audience. So very crazy, guys. Very, very crazy. Now it says here, Biden blows up at news conference after Putin meeting. Biden had kicked off his chat with reporters by admitting his staff as usual. 
gave me a list of who I'm going to call on. Later, he lashed out at CNN's Caitlin Collins when she called out, why are you so confident Putin will change his behavior? And Biden said, I'm not confident. Of course he's not. What the hell? What do you do all of the... What, what, what kind of answer is this? I'm not confident he'll change his behavior. What the hell? What do you do all the time? Okay, so... Anyways, all right. That's just... That's just about enough... Uh, that is just enough about that, ladies and gentlemen. That is just enough about that. It just goes to show from way back when, even up to their first meeting, Putin already knew that he could steamroll over this junta, this pseudo administration. And, you know, I mean, it's like the question is even if it's fair at this point, right? It's the question is even if it's fair, but even though it's not, even though it's not, guys, it's it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, the question that's still present in my mind is where Putin stands. I hear so many different stories about Putin and his time with the KGB and all these people that are just fence sitters with this man. They're just fence sitters. They're, they, they sit on the fence. They're like Putin KGB, Putin destroying the New World Order schemes, right? Well, because of this inability to uh, differentiate uh, outcomes, we have uh, uh, this whole other uh, uh, um, uh, thought pattern process that is coming from it, right? Now, we have Biden sitting on the fence calling for a New World Order. And now, uh, apparently, we're at what? The dawn of Cold War number two? Would it be Cold War number three? This this article here that I'm going to share with you guys actually is kind of, to me, it's kind of parody. Just think about what they're saying and how they are deducing things, guys. Uh, this is from, where's this from? From the Washington Times. Cold War two and Biden's new world, Biden's new new world order. Okay. Because everyone was like, he said new world order. Like everybody be up in arms and get ready for it because Biden said new world order. Okay. Not exactly the, you know, their perspective on the new world order is rather interesting. If not LeMay, which means lame, it's a rather lame view of the new world order from what we understand it to be according to what these guys think that is it's pretty lame okay like look check this out it says uh there are confusing time no these are confusing times and president biden is not helping to bring clarity last week for example he told the business roundtable that there's going to be a new world order what could he possibly have meant the old New World Order was established by the United States following World War II. Okay, so check this out, guys. This is what the establishment media thinks about the New World Order in respect to conspiracy theorists, right? In respect to people who have been following this narrative for decades. This is what the establishment media thinks. This is what they think, guys. This is what they think of when you say New World Order. Okay, it says here, 
the old New World Order was established by the United States following World War II with the hopefully named United Nations at its core. The goal was to prevent or at least limit armed conflicts, promote human rights, and establish a body of international laws and norms. So what do you think about that, guys? If, if, if the trajectory of history continues on the path that these transhumanists, Satanist pieces of trash want to continue on, their traject their projection of the new world order will be an order established by the united nations with the goal to prevent or at least limit armed conflicts promote human rights and establish an international body of laws and norms that's how they're going to define it in the year 2030, in the year 2040, if they get away with it, guys, if they get away with it, that's how they're going to define new world order, okay? That's how the establishment media is going to define the new world order, okay? So then everything, according to, what do they say, the victor... To the victor writes the books of history or whatever. According to them, if they win, that's what this is going to be. Okay? It's a bunch of bull, right? We know that to be different. It says, after the collapse of the Soviet Union and the 1991 Persian Gulf War, then-President George Herbert Walker Bush announced the advent of a new New World Order, one that would feature new ways of working with other nations, peaceful settlements of dispute, solidarity against aggression, reduced and controlled arsenals, and just treatment of all peoples. So they have even another edition of the new New World Order. Now, they could have talked to you guys about the New World Order that happened after World War II, but now they're going to they're gonna cover that up with the New World Order that was brought and put on the table after 1991's Persian Gulf War, okay? And that's because people like us, people in this community, are looking up and are dissecting, deciphering, digging into everything that it is that they have said and everything that it is that they have meant throughout the passage of time, okay? And regardless of what they want to say, if it's, oh, uh, post-World War II, New World Order, where we're all going to have uh, peace and, 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 and rainbows and unicorn farts, just as Empress Beach to you said, or we're going to have... President George H.W. Bush talking about um, peaceful uh, disputes and uh, solidarities against regression and reduced and controlled arsenals. You know that we know that this has been an entirely different case until now where they can try and define it in their own manner of speaking. But we know that that is not the case. Okay. The article continues, it was a lovely idea, but like the older New World Order, it failed to coalesce. Or as the scholar Joseph S. Nye Jr. 
wrote in 1992, Reality Intruded. Today, dictators with dreams of conquest, including a Russian neo-imperialist, a Chinese communist, and a jihadist, are attempting to establish yet another new, new world order, one they would dominate. So take note here, ladies and gentlemen, this Newsweek article is now saying that the new world order that was, uh, um, you know, uh, proclaimed by people like George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton and little baby Bush and and uh, and 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 uh, who else? Uh, um, uh, Klaus Schwab and even uh, freaking George Soros. Okay, that's the old New World Order. The new New World Order is going to be between Putin and China. And Putin and China, they're now calling for a New World Order, according to this uh, here article. Okay, that would not only include Russia and China, but also the likes of like Iran and Saudi Arabia. Okay, so this article goes on to say... We have entered a new era. Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps leader Major General Hussein Salami, Salami said last week, inadvertently echoing Mr. Biden, the sun has set on the evil powers. Pat, uh, and, and now we're talking about some guy, Matt Podinger. Okay, apparently this guy brings clarity to these issues. A White House Deputy National Security Advisor from 2019 to 2021, and now the chair's FDDS, and that is the Foundation for Defense of Democracies China program. In recent interviews, including in the Wall Street Journal, the Vanderberg Coalition, AEI's What the Hell is Going On podcast, He's framed the current international situation this way. A cold war has been declared against us. That term is contentious, he acknowledges, and there are differences between Cold War I and Cold War II. But as Niall Ferguson, the historian, has pointed out, there, was, there were big differences between World War I and World War II. But the similarities really overshadowed the differences. There is not merely an academic observation. It is or should be a call to action. Wars, hot or cold, are not one willy-nilly. If our opponents are mobilizing and fighting and we are not, a good outcome is unlikely. Mr. Podinger sees Russia's war on Ukraine as an analogous to the Korean War, the first armed conflict of the first Cold War, Stalin had given a green light for Kim Il-sung to invade South Korea. He noticed that the West had clearly drawn South Korea outside of our defense perimeter, just as NATO kept Ukraine outside its defensive perimeter. Though Russian forces in Ukraine have performed poorly and Ukrainian defenders have performed spectacularly, Russia's defeat on the battlefields or in diplom diplomatic palavars is by no means assured. Okay, so that's another thing here that you have to consider in an article like this. Is this, this, this to me is, again, just a spin of propaganda, okay? 
where they're talking about Russia and Ukraine right now, they are saying Russia has performed poorly and Ukraine has performed spectacularly. Now, the thing that just gets my goat here, guys, is that there is no way for these individuals to say beyond the shadow of a doubt that there are not Nazis involved in this skirmish. That, to me, is so aggravating, okay? Because this means, essentially, Newsweek and every single American journal or mainstream whatever media device is on the side of Nazis. And people cannot decry this enough, in my point of view. Okay, like, this is something that absolutely needs to be taken into consideration. And it is absolutely... Absolutely, absolutely aggravating. It's aggravating, guys. It is aggravating that we have so many people standing on the side of Ukraine calling for the dominance of Ukraine and they are riddled with Nazis. That is so aggravating, guys. I can't even begin to just, you guys can see it on my face probably. Now, here in this nice little illustration of Putin and uh, that side of the world, the thing here is the chemical weapons and it's what? What else is Putin going to do? A nuclear weapon, right? We all know that this is everything to do with um, the deep state. has nothing to do with Putin. The United States won't use chemical weapons under any circumstances, okay? We're not going to read this article, obviously, but this this article just goes back to illustrate the entire fact that you got this illegitimate idiot, okay, he's, he's legitimately an idiot, this illegitimate president, okay, this illegitimate leader, okay, this, this idiot, this joke, Biden, okay, going over there and saying what he says and talking his talk and not even realizing the words that he says, what really makes people like us think that this is a movie, really makes people like us think like this is a joke, like obviously this guy just, you know, he's off his rocker and it's for our entertainment and it's for people who don't know to learn because they need to be shown, they can't be told, right, that this guy is not good for America and he's doing really bad by us, okay, that when uh, the uh, deep state department starts talking about chemical weapons in Ukraine at the hands of Russia, this moron goes over and says that the United States will respond in kind, okay? And then you have the entire of the deep state, you have the entire of the State Department deep state, and all of them have to go back and correct him, okay? You just know. I mean, this is just, this is just so obvious point-blank period to all of us, is why I haven't really been covering Russia as much in the last few weeks as I am tonight, or as I did back then, is because it's already so muddied up and watered down, okay, to the point of being obvious that it's either they're really playing us for a joke, okay, they're really playing us for a joke, or... Something's up. Okay, something's up. The, the, this is just a distraction. Is this what that is? It's just a distraction. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. 
And uh, they've done a pretty good job at it, I would say. They've done a pretty good job at this distraction, right? Is what it is. Okay, so I'm going to play this video for you guys as an example uh, that it's not only the Deep State Department, right? It's not just the Deep State Department. It's a whole bunch of people, okay, that are calling for these chemical weapons or for these nuclear weapons to uh, hit the shores of Ukraine, right? While we uh, go ahead and figure out what the hell it means that Zelensky's dancing around in uh, you mid-drifts and leather-clad pants and high heels, to a Beyonce song in Ukrainian. Who knows? But uh, th- this is this is another. You guys, you guys will recognize immediately what I'm talking about with this guy's uh, more examples of this BS that we're being fed. Okay, here we go. It's a young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, half of this government, are. Uh, actually young noble leaders of the world so that we penetrate the cabinets the change is not just happening the change can be shaped by us we have to prepare for a more angry world how to prepare to take the necessary action to create a fairer world i see the need for a great reset So people assume we are just going back to the good old world which we had and everything will be normal again. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. There is only one way this pandemic is going to go. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. Pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack which would bring to a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Rated B for banned, okay? That's what that is. Rated B for banned, okay? So, um So, guys, there you go. I mean, the same thing is coming out of uh a Klaus Schwabi's little playpen, right? Klaus Schwabi's little playpen talking about the same crap. Talking about the same crap. Which is how you know, okay? Which is how you know this is part of the plan, all right? We have Biden. We have the deep state department. We have NATO all talking about what cyber attacks. All talking about what chemical attacks, okay? So you know it's part of their... You know, it's part of their trajectory. You know, it's part of what they want to do. All right. But the question then becomes, if these people make this move, then what what are the rest of us going to do? Right. Because this question about the Nazis is rather obvious. And what have we done? What have we done? It's obvious. Okay, that to me 
is the most aggravating part of this is the Nazi issue. Like, we have so much information, so much knowledge about these Nazis in Ukraine. I can't believe that this narrative is still standing. I can't believe that the narrative of Russia in Ukraine and NATO is still going today with the support of the mass of the people and departments like the Deep State Department getting on their Instagram, still talking about, we support Ukraine, most of America supports Ukraine, bull. When we know, we, okay, we saw, we saw, for example, uh, what was that? That was, uh, that was, um, uh, Ukraine under fire or Ukraine on fire, right? That was the executively produced, um, uh, um, Oliver Stone film. We, we did a, we did a watch party of that film here at Mr. CTV, okay, where they showed you evidence and everything beyond a shadow of a doubt. Now, why doesn't the rest of the world know this? Why doesn't the rest of America know this? Why are they still beholden to Ukraine and supporting Ukraine? Is it just the propaganda? Is it just to make we, the people who are the majority, feel like we are a minority? Is that just the effect of their bullhorn uh, against individuals like us getting the word out about the truth? It seems like that could be a case, okay? But one of the other things that I have come up against as well has to do with Klaus Cotton Schwab and President Vladimir Putin and their personal relationship with each other, okay? Um, uh, it, because, you know, you everyone is up to speed on this at this point. If you are a regular viewer of this broadcast, or if you are a regular truther on any other person's broadcast, you are already up to speed on the whole fact that Klaus Schwab has said that President Putin was a member of his Young Leaders organization. Now, I've read several things on that. One of the more compelling things I had read in that regard had to do with the fact that um, uh, Klaus Schwab is old and he might have gotten himself confused. And uh, also that President Putin has been too old to be part of the Young uh, young Economic Forum developer, blah, 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 blah. Uh, because you, can, you cannot be older than 38 and be a part of that program that Klaus Schwab has indoctrinated and brought in people like Justin Trudeau and Tulsi Gabbard and Dan Crenshaw in. Okay, now... Dan Crenshaw, Tulsi Gabbard, Justin Trudeau, um, um, uh, Macron, the uh, Cavron, I get it. Those guys are all young enough to have been part of uh, Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum Young Leaders Program, but apparently Putin is not, okay? So anyways, I saw this, um, I saw this article here I thought I would share with you guys. Uh, that talks about Klaus Schwab turning his back on Putin, okay? Now, a lot of people could say that this is, you know, just part of a play, it's just part of a pantomime, it's just for show, but that Putin is still very much embedded with Klaus Schwab. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. 
We'll talk about that as we go along tonight, but let's just see what this article has to say in that regard. It says here, um, although, let me shrink that down for size, guys. Although Vladimir Putin was never an official designee in the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leaders Program, World Economic Forum founder Klaus Schwab did not shy away from holding up the Russian leader to that standard. In a 2017 interview, Schwab said, when I mention names like Miss Merkel, even Vladimir Putin, and so on, they have all been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. But what we are really proud of is the young generation, like Prime Minister Trudeau, President of Argentina, and so on. Now, I will say this for a fact. You know, um, President Putin has spoken at the World Economic Forum in times past. He has not spoken at the World Economic Forum um, every year in Davos, for example, because that's where the World Economic Forum is held. He spoke in 2015. He spoke a few years before that. And he spoke in 2021, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, President Putin has spoken at the World Economic Forum. Um, let it also be known that in regards to the World Economic Forum and in regards to technology and its growth, um, the World Economic Forum, in conjunction with President Putin and Russia, started a um, they started a they started a um, an organization together that was in uh, in uh, in Russia in uh, Moscow that dealt with um, dealt with uh, technology and dealt with uh, the 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 future of technology in regards to um, in regards to politics and also uh, you know energy etc. So yes. Putin and Russia and the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab have worked together in the past, but uh, Putin has not spoke at every Davos meeting of world leaders for the World Economic Forum. He has done so a few times in the past, and they have started to work on a project together, but this was prior to COVID-19 happening. So with that in mind, let's finish up with this article so you guys can see where I'm going with this. It says in a 2017 interview, um, oh, we already read that. So it says in a 2019 video of an interview in Costa Rica, Schwab lists Tony Blair, Merkel and Putin as former World Economic Forum young global leaders, world economic Forum, young global leaders must be 38 years old or under when they are admitted. At 38, Putin would have still been in the KGB in the dying days of the USSR in 1990. World Economic Forum did not start the young global leaders program as global leaders of for tomorrow until 1993 when Putin was already 41 years old. While he may not be a graduate of the program in an official sense, Putin has been on Schwab's radar since 1992. The Russian strongman has been a regular keynote speaker at the World Economic Forum, a yearling 
gathering of elites in Posh Switzerland Ski Resort. This week, the World Economic Forum announced that it has severed all relations with the Russian government and Putin due to the ongoing invasion of Ukraine. We are not engaging with any sanctioned individuals and have frozen all relations with Russian entities, World Economic Forum spokesperson Amanda Russo told Politico. The promising leader long touted by Schwab has also been purged from the World Economic Forum's website. According to this Twitter post, looks like Vladimir Putin was removed from the World Economic Forum website this week. Here it says here, Vladimir Putin, 1975 graduate, law department, Leningrad State University. A whole write-up on Putin, and now when you click on it, sorry, but we can't find the page you were looking for. Putin has been erased. Now, here's the thing. Here's the question, right? Because half of the people believe that this is true and that the World Economic Forum is working, is acting out against Putin because of the fact that he is not going along with their great reset. He's not going along with their new world order. And then half of the other side is saying, oh, this is just a play. Putin is still working with the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab for the great reset and for the new world order, which I have seen vying and comparable articles and arguments for both sides. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm just being honest here, guys. I've seen I've seen both sides of the argument for that, right? Let's finish with this. It says, The last time Putin and Schwab met was sometime in 2021. Schwab told the Russian leader that his country was of particular importance in world events. The World Economic Forum founder even went so far as to say that Putin's voice was essential in world affairs. Then came Ukraine. Ukraine is the most poorly kept secret of the Western elites. The country has long been used by the likes of the Biden crime family, Obama, Soros, the Clintons, and the World Economic Forum, among many others, to run their corrupt dealings through, Julian Conradson noted in a March 10th op-ed in The Gateway Pundit. And now, with the shitstorm kicking up about the U.S.-backed eco-health-linked biological warfare testing labs that Putin is reportedly targeting, things are getting sketchy for the criminal cabal. What's more... The Ukrainian government has also announced that they are planning on evacuating all sensitive data and servers to other countries overseas if Russia forces continue to gain control of the country. Although the World Economic Forum has made the decision to cut Putin off, they have left the possibility of a return to good graces on the table if he decides to come around and play ball once again. So what do you guys think? What do you guys think? Do you guys think that uh, Putin is part of this whole scheme against us? Do you think he stands on the side of President Trump and the White Hats and they're bringing down the deep state globalists together? What do you think, you know? 
Because if you want if you want to say if you want to say that Putin is playing a game and uh, he's actually on the side of the cabal and this is all part of the show. And I could say to you guys, well, you know what? So is President Trump. And I've got enough receipts there to play that game too. But we're not going to play that game right now. Let me see what you guys are saying over here in the chat room before we go on to the next article. Hey, CJM61, thanks for gifting the cookie. Hello, Mr. C, your thoughts, cookies for your thoughts. Oh, I appreciate that, uh, CJM. Uh, A lot of thoughts going on right now, ladies and gentlemen. Klaus Schwab knows better than to show up in Russia, says Two Rivers. I like that line of thought. We ought to get on the mainstream media sites and call them out over there. Any dissent should be met with uh, any uh, with um, with where to look for the actions. You know, I agree with that, uh, Two Rivers. And I got to say. Um, the last three or four days lying on my back trying to sort through all of this mess, I've been thinking, I mean, I've been so aggravated by the fact that there is more than enough evidence about the Nazis in Ukraine that, you know, that's the only other way that we could do it. We would have to go on terrestrial radio. We would have to get on the mainstream media's shows and programs. And we, any, any outlet, any source that allows call-ins and allows people to call in and question or comment, we would literally have to do that. We would all have to do that. We'd have to be like, this is BS. Why are you saying this stuff about Russia and Ukraine when there are Nazis? And all of us know the sources. We can all cite the sources about Nazis in Ukraine. I mean, it's out there in triplicate. All of the information is available. I mean, you had lefty organizations writing about this in, what, 95? I'm sorry. 2014 through 2018 and 19, you had all of these lefty organizations writing about Nazis in Ukraine, and now they expect us just to go along with this narrative. We would literally have to do that. Call into our AM, FM radio stations that have this. Call into any news pundits that allow live commentary to tell them, look, you're wrong. We know this is wrong, and just spill all of the beans, right? Just tell everyone, just read. Red pill everybody. Two rivers is exactly what I was thinking was the only way. And I'm like, why am I doing this? I should be like, you know, uh, hopping back and forth to every single radio station that I can just to share the information that they're wrong and that they are supporting Nazis. It's so aggravating. It's so aggravating, to be quite honest. Hey, WC Cranop, and uh, thank you for donating the cookie. Dang, what's up with the gold pill count? You've been on a marathon stream, dude. Like, that's Rel Anon and uh, all of the listeners out there. Thank you guys again for that. I appreciate you guys so much. Um, I'll probably have a good cry after the show. (laughs) I promise you guys. Because we don't, I think that's the highest gold pill record I've broken you guys have broken this gold pill record. I think the most I had was like 150 or 180. 180,000 gold pills in a show, I think, is the record. So you guys broke the record tonight. So thank you again so much for that, for the gold pill donations. Hey, Liberty Bells, what's going on? Good to see you in the chat room. Good to see you. Good to see you. 
Um, let's see here. Tam Grouse says Klaus knew the old Putin. Are we talking about the Putin that was angular in bone structure, not so round in the face? Is that, is that what you mean, Tam Grouse? Russia wants to keep up with technology too. They don't like Russia uh, went on gold standard or to, or is that uh, proven? Uh, I'm pretty sure Russia's going on gold standard. I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure that's why they're calling for his death more now so than ever. Flimsy, limsy, right? Uh, let's see. Thumper Rose. Hey, Thumper Rose. What's up? Thumper Rose says, World Economic Forum will have to destroy all sovereign nations to have its one world government it desires. That's true. Uh, the globe and the BRICS union has over half the world's humanity in it. Hey, you know what? She's calling out the BRICS right there, Thumper Rose. That's, that's Brazil, Russia, India, China. The BRICS nations? Yeah. That's something that they're not talking about, considering when we're talking about all these sanctions against uh, Russia, is that they got the backing of a lot of other countries with more of our humanity and more of our wealth and population involved in that. So yeah, uh, very much so. Good, good point there, Thumper Rose. Sounds like Ukraine wants to rid itself of incriminating evidence to me. I would, uh, I would say so, Tam Gral. Putin watched the World Economic Forum Clinton starve 6.6 million Russians in the 1990s. So that's what I'm saying, guys. I'm right there with you all. I, I, I still believe, I still feel, okay, that uh, Putin is standing on the right side of history, okay? That's my point of view. Now, like I said, Putin has spoken at the uh, World and Economic Forum in the past. Now, the last article said that Putin talks there, you know, all the time. That's not true. That's not true. Putin has not spoken at every convening of the World Economic Forum in Davos. He has not, okay? He has, he has, he has spoken at times apart, like, we're talking years between his speeches at the World Economic Forum, okay? Now, this one that I'm going to share with you guys right now, this is from the last time that Putin spoke at the World Economic Forum. This was in 2021, if I'm not mistaken, January of 2021. Uh, let me see. Let me, let, me get, let me just make sure I'm giving you the correct year here, okay? Yes, January of 2021, Putin speaks at the World Economic Forum. Putin says something in this speech that I think everyone should have paid attention to, okay? Putin said something that is totally contrary-wise to what the new world order is supposed to be. We all know what the new world order wants to be. We all know what the new world order is striving to accomplish, right? We all know, okay? Putin said something here that I think people should have taken note of, okay? In my opinion, he clearly put himself on the line and he clearly expressed his point of view about where this world is 
and what it is that that the uh, New World Order was trying to do. Okay, and that is right here in this statement. Let me, uh, and we're going to read this statement first, and then we're going to go back and we're going to read what led up to this statement. But this statement right here alone, guys, is the total antithesis of what the New World Order is striving for. It is totally anti against anything that these people have been trying to establish in this world, whether that is the World Economic Forum, the New World Order, the Illuminati, any of them, okay, any of these Khazarian fake Jews, and yes, I said it, fake Jews, these people who are running around pretending to be something that they're not so that they can go ahead and clamp down on anybody else who has anything to say about this worldview, okay? And we're going to go there because that is also where I spent the last three or four days laying on my back is trying to find the strength and the clarity of mind to talk about this topic that not many people are willing to talk about. Let me just go ahead and let's make this pretty. This is what Putin said about the New World Order. He said, obviously, the era linked with attempts to build a centralized and unipolar world order has ended. Can you imagine what the people of the New World Order at this 2021 World Economic Forum sat back? Do you think that they were squirming in their seats? Because Putin has not spoken at every Davos event. Putin has not spoken at every World Economic Forum event, okay? He was invited by Klaus Schwab in 2021 to speak because I'm pretty sure Klaus Schwab was trying to gauge exactly where Putin stood. And Putin said the era linked with attempts to build a centralized and unipolar world order has ended. Putin has declared the end of these people's desire to bring a new world order to this world. And this is what he also had to say. He said, to be honest, this era never even began. To be honest, this era did not even begin. A mere attempt was made in this direction, but this too is now history. The essence of this monopoly ran counter to our civilization's culture and historical diversity. That is a huge statement, okay? That is a huge statement. He just told him point blank period that you try to do a new world order. You try to have a centralized one world government and that didn't work. And to be honest with you, it never even began because we, we never were, we were never in that. Now, you know, going back to my three or four days laying on my back, looking at world history and Tartaria and all that stuff, I would have to say that this man is speaking the truth. Okay. I would have to say he is speaking the truth. You know, he said even the attempt at this happening is now history.
Okay, now why do you think he said that? Do you think it possibly could be because, oh, I don't know, somewhere around 2015, 2016, 2017, we got a man in office that blew those doors wide open and we had some type of a psyop, be it good or be it bad, that woke everyone up and got everyone looking and asking questions and digging and trying to find the answers about what's going on on this planet? Could it be because of the fact that all of these things happened that on January 28th, 2021, Putin could go before the World Economic Forum and tell them, you tried, but you failed because he knew it was done. Ladies and gentlemen, that singular statement from Putin in my opinion, says a whole lot more about where he stands and where we stand in conjunction with the desires of those who try to rule this world and to strip this planet of its humanity. It says a lot more than could be said by anybody else in a position quite similar, okay? Now, if we were to go back up into uh, what led up to that comment, okay, because that comment right there is singular. It's singular. He said, you tried to do a one world order. You tried to do a centralized government. It failed. In fact, it never started. In fact, your attempts are now history. Okay, because this is after President Trump. Okay, this is after President Trump already spoiled everything that they tried to do in the United States of America and made it rather obvious to everyone who is half awake, half asleep or awake what is going on here. Okay, after that, Putin said all this stuff. Do you think Putin could have said any of these things if what President Trump hadn't done happened in his time in office? I don't think he could have. I don't think President Putin could have gone into Ukraine and done what he's done if it had not been for what President Trump did in the States in the four years leading up to that event. Okay, now some people would say, some people would say, well, you know what? Uh, that's just part of the, the scheme, right? You know, uh, they're all, they're all on the side of the globalists and the elitists, etc. blah, 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 blah. They, people would say that, you know, they would definitely say that. But I, it, th- those, those, those beliefs just don't ring out as true. Especially regarding the fact that so much of what these people have done over the past decades of my life on this planet and y'all's life were totally turned upside down and around in the time that President Trump was in office. Now, here's what President Putin said at the World Economic Forum in 2021 leading up to that singular comment, okay? He said, The essence and focus of this policy aimed at ensuring sustainable and harmonious development are clear. They imply the creation of new opportunities for everyone, conditions under which everyone will be able to develop and realize their potential regardless of where they were born and are living. I would like to point out four key priorities as I see them. This might be old news, 
But since Klaus has allowed me to present Russia's position, my position, I will certainly do so. First, everyone must have comfortable living conditions, including housing and affordable transport, energy, and public utility infrastructure, plus environmental welfare, something that must not be overlooked. Now, some people will argue by him saying environmental welfare that Putin's talking about the Green New Deal, okay? But that cannot be the case if you're talking about these uh, affordable living uh, housing and transportation and energy and public infrastructure, okay? At least in my opinion, per my purview. Second, Everyone must be sure that they will have a job that can ensure sustainable growth of income and hence decent standards of living. Everyone must have access to an an effective system of lifelong education, which is absolutely indispensable now and which will allow people to develop, make a career and receive a decent pension and social benefits upon retirement. Third, People must be confident that they will receive high-quality and effective medical care whenever necessary and that the national health care system will guarantee access to modern medical services. And fourth, regardless of the family income, children must be able to receive a decent education and realize their potential. Every child has potential This is the only way to guarantee the cost-effective development of the modern economy in which people are perceived as the end rather than the means. Only those countries capable of attaining progress in at least these four areas will facilitate their own sustainable and all-inclusive development. These areas are not exhaustive, and I have just mentioned the main aspects. A strategy also being implemented by my country hinges on precisely these approaches. Our priorities revolve around people, their families, and they aim to ensure demographic development, to protect the people, to improve their well-being, and to protect their health. We are now working to create favorable conditions for worthy and cost-effective work and successful entrepreneurship and to ensure digital transformation as the foundation of a high-tech future for the entire country, rather than that of a narrow group of companies. We intend to focus the efforts of the state, the business community, and civil society on these tasks and to implement a budgetary policy with the relevant incentives in the years ahead. We are open to the broadest international cooperation while achieving our national goals, and we are confident that cooperation on matters of the global socioeconomic agenda would have a positive influence on the overall atmosphere in global affairs, and that the interdependence in addressing acute current problems would also increase mutual trust, which is particularly important and particularly topical today. Obviously, 
the era linked with attempts to build a centralized and unipolar world order has ended. To be honest, this era never began. A mere attempt was made in this direction, but this too is now history. The essence of this monopoly ran counter to our civilization's cultural and historical diversity. The reality is such that really different development centers with their distinctive models, political systems, and public institutions have taken shape in the world. Today, it is very important to create mechanisms for harmonizing their interests to prevent the diversity and natural competition of the developmental poles from triggering anarchy and a series of protracted conflicts. Very, very interesting statements by President Putin. Ladies and gentlemen, I would uh, submit to you all. So, I don't know. I would think that um, the people of the New World Order, etc. would probably be like uh, feeling pretty crazy in their seats having heard this, right? from uh, a a world uh, power that was invited to speak at this forum. The guy on the screen you might recognize as uh, Mr. Fink of the uh, Black Rock, right? Is what I saying that? Black Rock um, um, firm. Now, we've talked a little bit about Black Rock here at the Sea Report. We know that Black Rock and Vanguard, they're uh, amongst the uh, top two firms that control most of the wealth and, uh, I guess, manage that wealth in the world. I mean, everyone from Disney to, I mean, everybody. Managed by BlackRock. Who sits at the top of their majesty? Well, I guess that's left to be seen. Uh, But in regards to that, you know, Larry Fink had uh, made a mention, and I know all of you guys are familiar with this, but for the story to continue, as they say here at, um, as we say here at the Sea Report, ready? In order for us to continue our story, ready? Well, the show must go on. The show must go on. We need to get these stories across to you guys, even though this story is probably about a week and a half to two weeks old. BlackRock chief Larry Fink says Ukraine war marks the end of globalization. Okay, so we're talking about President Putin saying, you know what? You tried to do your new world order. It's done. You know, you got patriots and the likes of uh, whomever is standing behind President Trump saying it's done. And now you have Larry Fink saying that as well. Let's see what this article has to say real quick about Larry Fink. It says, uh, BlackRock head Larry Fink said in a letter to shareholders that Russia's invasion of Ukraine has put an end to globalization as it has been known for decades. 
The Russian invasion of Ukraine has put an end to the globalization we have experienced over the last three decades, Fink said in his 2022 letter to his shareholders. It has left many communities and people feeling isolated and looking inward. I believe this has exacerbated the polarization and extremist behavior we are seeing across society today. Fink has been pushing a woke capitalism agenda on United States companies for years now, using the financial might of BlackRock to force companies to adopt his stances on divisive racial policies, so-called inclusion programs, and environmental issues. But this year, he drew criticism from some on the far left by refusing to rule out investing in fossil fuel companies. BlackRock remains committed to helping clients navigate the energy transition. This includes continuing to work with hydrocarbon companies, he wrote, to ensure the continuity of affordable energy prices during the transition. Fossil fuels like natural gas will be important as a transitional fuel. Fink said that companies and governments will also be looking more broadly at their dependence on other nations. This may lead companies to onshore or nearshore more of their operations, resulting in a faster pullback from some countries. The localizing of supply chains on a large scale will be inherently inflationary, Fink warns. The invasion could also spur a faster transition to renewable sources of energy by making fossil fuels more expensive, according to Fink. Longer term, I believe that recent events will actually accelerate the shift towards greener sources of energy. So one then has to question, is that exactly what they're going to try and pull off by everything that's going on? I mean, they could very well try and do it. They could very well try and do it. They could say, well, you know, uh, just based on everything that's happening here and now, we're going to go ahead and uh, we're going to try and pull this off. Okay. Uh, and they could do it. They, they very well could do it. They could, they could very well try and pull off uh, bringing in their greener new path uh, in the wake of what is going on in Russia and Ukraine. Uh, never minding NATO, obviously. Uh, but the, the I think the important point here is that what they have found is their cry for this new world order is totally unfounded by someone like uh, Illegitimate Joe, for example. That was, I'm sure, a total muss-up on his part. I'm almost positive to think so ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but I mean, they could still pursue that in its wake, like I said. Now, in regard to Putin, in regard to Putin um, and, and where he stands and what he says and what's going on there, you know, we, we've really tried to explore that at large here at the Sea Report. I think we've done a pretty good job of it you know, presenting the other side of the narrative uh, to individuals, to people, to, you know, people that might not have known about, you know, Putin's stance on a whole bunch of things. And the other one that was good about doing that was the um, Oliver Stone, okay? Much to my surprise, 
to be quite honest with you guys, because with Oliver Stone uh, and his um, his his uh, his interviews with President Putin, the documentaries he's done, I think that rather did a really good uh, job of shining spotlight onto something that a lot of people were either not understanding or were misconstruing at the time, you know. So, um, actually what we have now is, uh, a brief interview with Oliver Stone. Now we aired the Putin interviews here at the, uh, Mr. CTV. That's a, that was a docu interview series of, uh, Oliver Stone, um, you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino's daddy with, uh, Vladimir Putin and uh very revealing i would say of the four of the four parts of that documentary if you wanted to get information that is totally relevant to what's going on today part 3 of that documentary is absolutely essential okay but then after that uh oliver stone also released ukraine on fire now a lot of people now have seen uh, the documentary about Ukraine on fire, which had to do with the neo-Nazis, which had to do with the Maidan uh, coup d'etat, which had a lot to do with what's going on in our own deep state department and in relationship to Barack Obama and also, you know, John McCain and Victoria Newland and all of them. Now, we haven't aired part two of Ukraine on fire and we'll probably do that very soon. But um, Oliver Stone has done an exceedingly, I think, fair job on talking about what's going on in Ukraine in relation to our own government and the propaganda that the United States government is currently peddling about Russia and Ukraine. Okay, so I wanted to air this real quick and we're almost at the end of our show today, guys. Thank you all for hang hanging out with us for as long as you have. Thank you guys for the gold pills as well that have been coming across this way. Um, my screen is behind on it, but I do believe I saw WC Cranop uh, tossing a pretty good chunk of gold pills this way. Thank you so much, um, my friend. Uh, from the West Coast Crane Operator Group <laughs> for supporting the show. Um, but uh, let's play this real quick. This is Oliver Stone being interviewed, and they're talking about how Oliver Stone feels that the United States misunderstands President Putin. Okay, is it that they misunderstand President Putin or is it that they just don't want to understand President Putin because they're trying to fix him into their own little segment of a puzzle that they want to put together and foist upon the American people and on history? Okay, I've spent the last two or three, four days on my back learning about ancient world history and I gotta tell you guys... The world fairs, ladies and gentlemen. Enough said. Okay, let's see what Oliver Stone had to say about President Putin and the United States of America. Here we go. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors, we don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. 
So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm/theseareport. And thanks y'all. Oliver Stone has won Oscars for Platoon, Born on the 4th of July, and Midnight Express. But his latest project took him about as far from Hollywood as you can get. Over two years, he recorded 20 hours of interviews with Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, getting his perspective on everything from last year's U.S. election, the Syrian conflict, and tensions with NATO. Today, it's a political instrument of the United States. There are no allies. There are only the Когда страна становится членом НАТО, ей уже очень трудно сопротивляться давлению со стороны такой крупной страны, лидера НАТО, как США. И там легко появляется, может появиться все, что угодно. И система противоракетной обороны, и новые базы, и если потребуется, и новые ударные комплексы. А нам что делать? His four-part documentary, The Putin Interviews, is airing this week on Sky in the UK and Showtime in the US. He joins me now in the FT studio in New York to discuss the series. So the last time we met was Venezuela, was the film, your film about Hugo Chavez. Um, and about the seven, eight other presidents of South America. That's right. That and at, at the time you told me that the West viewed Chavez incorrectly and had the wrong impression of him. Does the West have a similarly wrong impression about Vladimir Putin? I think so. I'd say so, yeah. I think uh, a big divide. And, uh, I'm not going to say that I have all the answers by any means. Uh, I got to know him in, during the shooting of Snowden uh, because I went, the last scene we were shooting in Moscow and uh, Ed himself was in the movie to finish the movie. And at that point we moved the cameras over uh, two days later to the Kremlin and quietly went in and started this series of interviews that lasted two years, four different interviews and approximately 20 hours of film. So several trips. 20 hours of film, yeah. and you clearly enjoyed his company. You seem to look um, from the I always try to, whenever you make a movie, whether it's a documentary or a mm. film, I, you know, you work, you, you, wanna, you want it to work. Uh, mm. I, with actors, I would encourage my actors, and, and I, as I said somewhere else, if I'm, a, I'm the best friend of the actor while I'm making the movie. I right. try to be. I'm rooting for him to succeed or her. With, with that in mind, yeah. um, do you have any misgivings about his policies, about... The actions of the Russians. Well, you're asking for my opinion now. You yeah. have to, inside that framework of those four hours of film, mm. you'll find very little opinion from me. You know, so it's uh, I, first of all, I'd like to say that it presents his point of view as well as I could. The same way that my Snowden film presented Snowden's version of mm. the story. Do you tr do you trust that he was telling you the truth in the interviews? I mean, well, he said that they didn't hack the election. Hacking an election. What does hacking mean? Hacking mm -hmm. means getting into somebody's computer. Mm -hmm. it's, so, it's possible that because hacking is a fashion of the day, and every country is doing it, uh, independent actors are doing it, no one seems to know who's hacking who. And that is a very important, relative, relevant question. Mm -hmm. 
I don't think people understand this issue of hacking. Mm -hmm. I've tried to educate myself. I'm not an expert, but Snowden's, the Snowden movie certainly brings comes into that arena. Mm -hmm. So let's say it's possible that they got into the computers of the DNC, but we don't know that for sure. And when the American intelligence, three of them, not 17, three of them said what they said, and that was a, it was class, classified as an assessment. Right. It was not an estimate. Right. This was a thin assessment. And veteran journalists and veteran uh, people who worked in the surveillance community pointed that out to me on day one. Mm -hmm. They said that this is not a normal procedure, mm -hmm. that the CIA, the, N the NSA, and the FBI, with a week and a half to go in the Obama administration, suddenly put out this assessment. It's basically a slap in the face of the new incoming president and saying that you're a Manchurian candidate mm -hmm. and that you're in office because of the Russian uh, interference. Mm -hmm. This was stunning. I mean, that's as hostile as any administration can be to another one. Can I just go back to, yeah. the, to the film and to, to Putin, particularly on Syria? Yeah. Um, now, you spent some time with him talking about the Syrian strategy and what, what Russia was doing in, in Syria. Yeah. Um, Human Rights Watch says Russia has committed war crimes in Syria with the, the bombing of Aleppo, civilians, children killed. Yeah. I mean, going back to this point about your, your personal feelings of the man and, and, and of the policies. Does, does any of that cloud well, uh, When I see Syria, uh, you know, I, Human Rights Watch, as you know, has been sometimes accused of pol politicizing situations, mm. uh, certainly in South America, here or there. The United States has used it at will. There's all kinds of internet uh, rights organizations that go, come out of the woodwork at times and say things, but the United States has used human rights as a way to advance its foreign policy interests. You know, why is Saudi Arabia never brought up on serious things, and Syria is, and so forth and so on. I don't doubt that the Assad regime is a tough one, but it was a secular one. But you're dubious about these claims about Russia? Well, yes, of course I am. Right, and I'm rights. saying to you that the, when the United States went into Iraq, broke Iraq, as Colin Powell said, and completely brought chaos to the Middle East on a new level with all these refugees, and then did it again in Libya, mm. when Mr. Putin says in the interview that if this happens again to Syria, which has been in an alliance with us since the 1970s, there will be complete chaos in the Middle East, and we are only 1,500 miles from Damascus on the map. Right. There is a significant component of Muslims in, in Russia, about 13%, something like that. They are integrated into the Russian Federation, but there's a possibility that the hotheads, the younger people, will be affected by Muslims preaching uh, hatred and... Uh, this, kind, this form of terrorism. Mm. That's what concerns Russia. Okay. They have a, a link to Syria but they also, and, but, and an alliance, but they also have a fear that the Caucasus would be engulfed once again in, in, in flames and revolt like there was in the Chechnyan War of mm. 2000, the last one, the second war. I, I just want to say this is a big issue if it's next door to you. Right. And they are much closer to them than they are to us. Final question, very quickly. Um, how, in your view, should the U.S. approach Putin and Russia now with a new administration? With a in this matter of Trump, I would be, I think there is a significant battle going on between uh, the concept of the presidency and who really runs America, which is at the heart of democracy. Where is the real conflict? Who is the enemy? Are we the enemy to ourselves? Are we, are we in the grip of a dictator? The dictator is money. The, the dictator is a state that exists. Can we control it? These are questions we have to ask. We have to examine our own country. Okay. Is Putin relations? Yes, of course. I think he would, has said repeatedly, I'm, 
open for dialogue. He'd like to have a better relationship. It would be in our interest to fight the war of terror with them. They're very good at it. Mm. Number two, they can help us with the environment. They can help us with nuclear weapons. We could cut back. Remember the old Gorbachev-Reagan way of doing things? They were talking about cutting back. They did for a while. Mm. There's been no peace dividend since then. Okay. There is an interest in the United States in money and making products of war and selling them to other countries and militarizing regions such as the Middle East. That's the, the, the end result, as well as refugees spilling over from every war-torn country going to your Britain, uh, of course. your France. And yeah. I can only see more chaos in the future if you follow this program. Mm. America's interests are not necessarily Europe's. Mm. You should deal with that issue. Okay. Oliver Stone, thanks for coming. Thank you, Matthew. Okay. I was like, I know it's ending in a minute. Okay, cool. So, uh, interesting, right, guys? So, and this is the thing is, you know, when I first started airing the uh, Putin interviews with Oliver Stone, my whole thing was, why is Oliver Stone doing interviews with Putin? Because in my perspective, Oliver Stone is, you know, He's like, it's just because of all of the work that he's done from, you know, JFK, everything he's done. I would think this guy is a deep state operative, right? Now, it was in part, was it part three? Maybe it was part three of the Russian interviews at the very end of uh, the Putin interviews in part three. Which I also think is probably the most essential to watch in regards to what's happening today. Uh, he started asking Putin about the 2016 presidential elections and who he was going to vote for and who he thought would be a good president. And Putin declined to answer any of those questions, right? Because Putin understood that obviously you can't be espousing your own pre preferences because they might think that that's going to lead to some type of, uh, you know, interference in elections for whomever might win. Putin was smart enough to get that, right? You know, uh, but, you know, they talked about a whole lot of other things here, including the conflict in Syria. And we know that Putin was uh, blamed for a lot of stuff that happened in Syria, the bombing in Aleppo, etc. And, and what did that have to do with? Uh, Putin bombing the people that Obama was uh, fortifying with money and weapons in Aleppo, right? And all of the uh, the, the ISIS people and the, the Al-Qaeda people that our government, the deep state department, was propping up in Syria so that, that they could bring down Assad. And why was it that they were wanting to take down Assad? Was it for any of that ancient technology or maybe not so ancient technology, any of that world history? Was it because that they were trying to, uh, I don't know, uh, separate, separate from the banking system? Like what we're seeing right now with Russia in regards to the ruble and their economy, like they've, what, from what I understand, they've pegged their currency to the gold standard, ladies and gentlemen, which is why you're going to hear more people decrying the end of Putin in Russia, okay? Because he is defying the central banks. Now, my birthplace, personally speaking, Mr. C, my birthplace in this great awakening, in this grand, uh, you know, uh, uh, game that we have been a part of, 
has to do with the central banks, okay? It has to do with the likes of the Federal Reserve Central Bank, which has nowhere to go because there are no massive wars. There is no, uh, I mean, and their dollar, their, their currency will collapse and they cannot hide it the way that they used to be able to hide it. But what did they do in Libya, right? Gaddafi was making a gold-backed currency for North Africa that would have destroyed the fiat currency of the central banks, right? Now, from my understanding, Putin and Russia have been separate from those ruling powers for a long time. But apparently, that darn central bank has been the, the hardest thing to get rid of, and they're doing it now, okay? The world stands to back its currency based on an actual commodity, whether that be silver, gold, platinum, whatever. It's not some created out of thin air, little, uh, you know, monetary currency that just depletes and depreciates and steals the value of the currency and thereby giving the people an unseen tax upon their living. It's coming to an end. It is quickly coming to an end. But the question still remains, ladies and gentlemen, the question still remains, why now? Why now? Why after everything that President Trump went through, why? Is this just still part of that show, that movie that we are being shown because we can't be told? Why now? Why Russia, Ukraine, NATO? Is it real? Is it real? You see, we are living in such a time with so much information just going out of the ears, the nostrils, the mouth, and every other orifice that you could think about on a human body, male or female, biologically speaking, that you have to ask why now. Never has there been a time in our history where mulling through, deciphering, and figuring any of this information has been more important than it is now. Well, uh, you might be wondering about this chick on the screen. This is Michelle Bachman. You guys remember Michelle Bachman? Michelle Bachman, a United States representative, congresswoman for Minnesota, uh, federal level, right? Uh, ran for president in 2012. Okay. Now, in 2012, I got I remember Michelle Bachman in 2012 and uh well, there now and then and don't you know, she was not my candidate, okay? But uh this woman, this woman Michelle Bachman, uh she was savvy to a lot of things, guys. She was savvy to a lot of things and had I known exactly how smart and erudite this woman was to certain things going on in our government and around in geopolitics, I might have voted for Michelle Bachman in 2012, okay? Um, I'll show you an example uh, because 
Michelle Bachman was recently on with, I think, Joe Hoft of the Gateway Pundit. And he asked Michelle Bachman about her opinion on what's going on in Russia in regards to Putin and Ukraine and NATO. And her answer, I thought, was rather telling of where we actually stand. But, but just to illustrate exactly how erudite Michelle Bachman was on geopolitics, how much she understood and how much she knew, I'm going to play this clip for you guys real quick. Uh, this is from 2014. This has to do with the Benghazi scandal. Now, Michelle Bachman just about blew the cover on John Brennan, the former CIA head, in regards to their actions and knowledge of what was going on in Benghazi uh, back when that happened in 2012. But in this hearing... Uh, Michelle Bachman shows you exactly, exactly where, what she knows, okay, and where she stands. She's not, uh, what's the word? She's not mincing words, guys. Like, she knows a whole lot. Let's just go ahead and play this real quick, and then I'll serve you up, serve you guys up one last uh, thing to consider before we close out the night. Mr. Chair, thank you, Mr. Morrell. On September 11th, we know that there's a fair amount of activity that was going on at the compound that day in Benghazi. Chris Stevens was active that day. The Turkish ambassador had come to visit uh, Ambassador Stevens at the compound that day. We know from eyewitness testimony on the ground, contemporaneous in time, from the RSO who was there, that the Turkish ambassador, when he was there, and all through the day, there were no sightings no indication in any way of any gathering of any protesters around the compound around Benghazi. There was, there was closed-circuit television. There was the uh, February uh, 17th Brigade. There were people there offering security. No one at any time prior to the attack gave any indication that there was a protest going on at the compound. The RSO himself said there was nothing going on at the, pro at the compound. The chief of station in Tripoli had no indication of any protests going on. The political officers had no indication of anything going on. The GF GRS officers coming from the annex over, no one, anyone involved in this situation, no one had any indication of a protest going on. And yet, the Obama administration allowed its spokesman for the first time in the first uh, public disclosure five times on the Sunday morning shows, made a false narrative that a YouTube video was the reason that explained that there were protesters that we now know are apparitions, never existed, were there. This is a false narrative. That's why this is not a small issue. This is a big issue, Mr. Morrell, because we have emails in front of us cables in front of us that don't lie. That's not a conspiracy. And the emails and the cables are very clear about what we knew and when we knew it. We know that while the attack was going on, that there, there was uh, already from the State Department at 4.05 p.m. 
an alert that was put out from the State Department that the compound was under attack. The second was at 6.08 p.m. that Ansar al-Sharia, an al-Qaeda-linked terrorist group operating in Libya, claimed credit for the attack. We also know that a cable that was sent on September 12th by CIA station chief in Libya reported eyewitnesses confirmed the participation of Islamic militants and made clear that U.S. facilities in Benghazi had come under attack. Even your first draft from the CIA prepared, distributed internally, showed, this was 11.15 a.m., we have date stamps on it, that... The CIA and the U.S. government knew that Islamic extremists with ties to al-Qaeda participated in the attack. All of that we knew. What changed is when the talking points prepared again by your office, when those talking points intersected with the White House, and those, those organizations within the White House included senior State Department officials, senior national security officials, all of those that you talked to us about, Robert Cordillo, Alan, Matt, Jake, Mark, Lisa, Ben, all of these, the only change that happened were senior White House officials. And we know from the emails, particularly from Victoria Newland, that has been referenced by my colleagues from the date stamp time, again, at 9.24 p.m., Ms. Newland wrote that the problem remains. Her superiors were unhappy. Uh, the changes that were made did not resolve all my issues of the, or those of my building leadership. We also know Ben Rhodes from the National Security Foreign Policy further advised the group. The issues will be resolved in a meeting of top administration officials the following morning at the White House. At the White House. Saturday before Miss Rice went on the Sunday morning shows. They were resolved all right. They were resolved in the favor of the White House. And what's really odd here is that the false narrative that was given on Sunday morning on the Sunday morning shows somehow strangely added up with the view of the White House six weeks before the presidential election that Al Qaeda was nearly defeated and the global war on terror was over. Everyone on this committee knows that wasn't true that al-Qaeda wasn't defeated. Everyone on this committee, both sides of the aisle, knows that the global war on terror was not over. That was the narrative of the White House in the run-up to the presidential election. How weird that that ultimately was reflected in the talking points against all knowledge from people on the ground and knowledge this committee had. That's why we're upset, because the American people from my perspective, were intentionally misled by this administration as to what happened in Benghazi. Chairman, can I respond? I'd make two points, ma'am. Number one, the narrative that the attack evolved spontaneously from a protest was a narrative that intelligence community analysts believed, not just analysts, intelligence community analysts. That turned out to be incorrect, but that is what they believed at the time. So there is no politics there whatsoever. That's point number one. Point number two is, let me actually give you the facts of what the State Department changed in those talking points and what the White House changed. The White House changed three things. The first thing the White House changed was to add Cairo in front of the word embassy for the sake of clarity. The second thing the White House changed was to rearrange a couple of sentences, purely stylistic. 
The third thing the White House changed was to change the word consulate to diplomatic post for accuracy. Those were the only changes the White House made. The changes the State Department made, two, just two, they too wanted to change the word consulate to diplomatic post for exactly the same reason. The second change the State Department made was to remove the entire bullet on Ansar al-Sharia because State Department said it was premature to single out a specific group, and the CIA agreed because the only unclassified evidence we had at the time was Ansar, was, was Ansar al-Sharia's public statement, which they then retracted. So the State Department and the White House made five changes only, all of them, in my view, fairly insignificant. Mr. Morrell, they didn't have to change because you made the changes for them. You made significant substantive changes for the White House. Whether it was on behalf, we don't know, but we know you are the one who made those changes. Ma'am, if you look at the record, what you will see is the changes I made were fully consistent with what our analysts believed at the time, period. The analysts that were part of the bureaucracy, not the individuals who are on the ground who eyewitness testimony and who as early as September 12th had sent you a cable that it was not a protest, that it was in fact an attack. Those were intentionally ignored. So we should have accepted the chief of station's view without question that it was a protest? I believe that the totality of the information was obfuscated and that there was an intentional misleading of the public. Because if you believe that we should have accepted his explanation of what happened, then you also need to ex accept his view that it could have been the video that motivated the individuals to attack the, the diplomatic facility was, that we, night. We spoke with him yesterday behind closed doors. He was adamant from the very beginning that this was not a spontaneous protest. We heard from him directly yesterday that at no time did he believe it was based upon the video. It isn't just him. It's the RSO. It's the chief of base. It's those who came from the annex. It is the political officers. All of them agreed. You take that versus some press reports and one signal versus the, the, the weight and balance aren't even equal. It isn't even equal. All, the evidence overwhelmingly pointed to an attack, an attack that was Al-Qaeda or, Al or jihadist related. It wasn't just one piece of signet, ma'am. There was also reporting more, from the more, station. More than one signet? There was there also. more than one signet? There was also. That wasn't our understanding. There was also reporting from the CIA station that, was a that there was a protest as well as from the Department signet? of Defense. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about right there, ladies and gentlemen. That is Michelle Bachman. Now, why Michelle Bachman decided to retire from Congress. She retired from Congress. She is now the dean of a university. Okay. Uh, but, but it's totally retired from Congress, guys. The, this is not the only type of an exchange that you can expect from a woman like Michelle Bachman. Like I said, she had John Brennan, former CIA head, not acting like this like pansy ass that we just saw her. She, We just saw her take this dude to town, right? She's like, oh yeah, well, not only this, but that. Oh, oh yeah, but we also talk with him behind closed doors. We're just... We're letting you tell us your lies to us. We already know the truth. We're just gouging it out of you, the lies that you have. She did that with John Brennan.
okay? She nearly busted Benghazi wide open with John Brennan, guys. And uh, so anyways, my point being here is now she's retired from Congress, but she recently appeared, Michelle Bachman, recently appeared with um, uh, Joe Hoft of the Gateway Pundit on one of his radio broadcasts where he asked her what she thought was going on with this whole Russia, 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 Ukraine, 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 NATO, NATO, NATO thing. What do you think is going on here, right? So um, as we close out tonight's broadcast, I'm going to leave you all with this interview with Joe Hoft and Michelle Bachman. And again, uh, before we close out tonight's broadcast, I really, I need to thank you guys so much. Thank you so much from my heart to yours uh, for the support you guys are showing for the show tonight. I was only on my back for three or four days, but I love you guys so much. Um, We've had a slew of uh, gold pill donations coming this way. Uh, in the last uh, 30 minutes to an hour, 123SKG dropped a fleet. Uh, WC Cranop, you dropped a phone. Um, uh, Empress Beach to you dropped a fleet and a phone. Uh, so thank you so much again, guys. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I don't think we've ever had this many gold pills in one episode of the Sea Report. I, th- I think we broke over two, 200 uh, 20,000. How do you put that? 20,000? One, two. We broke over 20,000 gold pills in one episode. Thank you so much, y'all. Um, I, this will go to good use. These gold pills will go to ensuring that the C report is live on multiple platforms. It'll go to ensuring that we have the bandwidth and the backup on our website, thecreport.com. Um, and it will go to ensuring that we have access to news and information that we can't always get access to without some type of a, a dividend being paid forward. So the, the gold pills that you guys are bestowing upon me today goes back into the show. Thank you so much, guys, for that again. And, you know, if you're out there on Clout Hub or Rumble or Twitch, you know, uh, you can always uh, do so in the same or hop on over to, you know, the creport.com, click on the um, store link and you can go get some merchandise. We got socks. <laughs> Everyone needs socks, right? We got the, uh, we got the, uh, what do you call it? We got the, uh, um, uh, the, the Victoria Millie coffee mug, right? Everything woke turns to shit. Um, Thumper Rose says we are at 35,777 for gold pills. Thank you guys so much. I don't even know what to, I don't even know what to think about that. Um, 357,77. It's a great number. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you. Bubbles, Thumper Rose, WC Cranop, Tam Growl, Empress Beach to you, Bill Tech, Rail Anon, of course. Sean Joe, I'm sure you're out there somewhere. Victoria, 123SKG, you guys are amazing. And thank you so much for today. I mean, I don't know what brought this about. I was just on my back for a few days. And uh, another ship coming in from Empress Beach to you. Dumping my piggy bank with love. Love you, Mr. C. Thank you, Empress Beach to you. And uh, and also the shades. (laughs) Thank you so much.
<laughs> oh my goodness, I cannot even tell you. I can't even tell you. Thank you so much. This is uh, WC Crane Up with 101 Swamp Creatures Galore. <laughs> you can always depend on that here. God bless you all. Thank you so much. And may your blessings here be returned to you guys 10,000 fold. Okay. So um, where we're going to end off tonight, guys, because we needed to get through tonight so I could get on with the rest of the show. Uh, we're going to just check out Michelle Bachman talking with Joe Hoft over at the Gateway Pundit. And he's wondering in her acute mind in regards to geopolitics and the way the world plays out. What does she think is going on over here now and then? And don't you know with Ukraine and Russia? It's a great interview, and I think uh, Michelle Bachman is definitely a woman worth listening to, as you guys can clearly tell from the last interview, the last hearing that we just saw with Michelle Bachman. Uh, so here it is for you guys now. We got Michelle Bachman with the Gateway Pundit. I'll see you guys on the other side shortly. Enjoy, ladies and gentlemen. You think that people would fish. We're back, I'm, and I'm very pleased and re re really ready to get into it here uh, with Michelle Bachman. Michelle, thank you for joining us, and thanks for thanks for coming to Real Talk and the Joe Hoff Show. Oh, Joe, I always love talking with you. Thank <laughs> you. It's an honor to be on today. Well, thank you. I, you know, I have a couple of things I mentioned just before, you know, before the break. How you uh, shared a couple of things one time that I had you on here in the morning show, and you were, it was right after the Afghanistan just disaster, yeah. and you said how we're no longer a superpower, and you made a statement that, yeah. you, you know, the Biden administration is an administration of death. Both statements just rocked me, to tell you the truth, and uh, I thought about them quite a bit, and I believe you're absolutely right. I think what's been going on here is just a nightmare for America. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about the current events as of even today? I mean, hours ago, even. With uh, are you talking With about the, Russia? Ukraine? Yeah, yeah, Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. Well, I, for me, from the very beginning, this whole thing just smelled utterly phony. It had a complete phoniness about it. You know, uh, the last time Russia took a big move, it was when they overtook Crimea, and then after that, they were. Uh, they were doing some fighting in eastern Ukraine, so they've had their eyes on this for a long time. But it it isn't something that necessarily impacts U.S. interests. You go through a whole set of criteria that we do as a country go through a whole criteria before we get involved in a foreign activity. And this didn't in any way, shape, or form come anywhere near all of this. And the thing that made it completely suspect is because... Here you have the Democrat Party, who always scream that they're the peaceniks. That's what they want everyone to think. They're the peaceniks. And Joe Biden was pounding his chest with glee, saying, I'm the guy who got us out of Afghanistan. Well, within minutes, he got us back into Syria. And then he wanted to get us back into eastern Ukraine. And nobody was looking for this. This isn't going to impact us on energy production or anything like that. So why are we doing it? That's what you have to ask. What, what's the question? What's the reason why they're getting us in? And my feeling initially is that this seems like an effort 
to distract the United States to pull our, because wars are extremely expensive. They're exhausting and they're extremely expensive. And it looked like this was an effort to pull money and time and resources and our eyeballs to focus on Russia and Ukraine. I don't think that's the main event. I think this is a, a distraction for us to go in that direction. I, I truly think this Biden administration is evil. I think mm-hmm. the people who are calling the shots are evil. And if you, if you look, and I'm not the first one to say it, if you look from the time of the inauguration until now, every move they've made has been for the destruction of the United States. They, they don't have any policies that have built up the United States. Their policies have destroyed the United States in almost every way. And so after looking at all that and after looking at the complete and utter worst military failure in American history in August in Afghanistan, why would anyone trust this administration to understand anything? Our intel agencies have had one intelligence lapse and failure after another. Why would we trust that information? So you're asking yourself, why is this such an important thing that we're supposed to pay attention to? And to me, I think one is distraction, that they are trying to get our eyeballs on this so that we aren't paying attention to the main event, which is the rise of global authoritarianism and the stripping away of protected civil liberties. If you want to know what's happening in the world today, it's that sentence I just gave you. The rise of global authoritarianism in one country after another and the stripping away of formerly protected civil liberties of the citizenry. It's happened in Austria, Mm. in Germany, in Italy. This last Mm. week we saw the complete destruction of liberties in Canada, and now Sunday Joe Biden put the emergency order back in place. And I'll tell you, your listeners should melt the phone lines for their congressman and their senator and demand there is no reason he should rescind that emergency order. The only reason he's doing that is that's the only way that he can continue these unconstitutional vaccine mandates and mask mandates. You are so spot on in so many ways. And I noticed that last week, too. He silently and quietly extended this that, that, that emergency act or whatever you call it. And there's no end date. I noticed that. I didn't no, notice. No didn't see an end date on that. Canada. Yeah, yeah, right. crazy. Christia Freeland, who's the 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 mm-hmm. completely corrupt um, deputy vice or the yep. deputy prime minister, and by the way, she is she sits on the board of directors of the World Economic Forum. Both she and Justin Trudeau and about half of the Canadian cabinet are from the Young Global Leaders Group from the World Economic Forum under Klaus Schwab. Mm-hmm. And so she, she said this is going to be permanent, mm-hmm. permanent. And, yeah. I, and it is breathtaking that mm-hmm. they took that vote in the House of Commons in Canada, unbelievable vote to say that they confirmed what Justin Trudeau did. Yeah. You literally can freeze people's bank accounts and strip mm-hmm. them of their civil liberties. Mm-hmm. Well, that's America next. Well, that's maybe, exactly what Joe Biden intends to do. Yeah, maybe it's America now. I mean, we're seeing these guys from January 6th sitting in prison in the, in uh, D.C. Oh. with no rights. Some of them there for a year. I don't even know if some of them even have court dates. Some of them are in May and June. They're going to sit and rot in these horrible prison situations. They've been sitting there without indictments. 
for they aren't for, even indicted. Yeah, for what? For and over I, a year. I just for heard over this. A year. Yeah, I just heard the same thing in Canada. This girl who was one of the leaders of this uh, protest movement, she got arrested. The judge came out today and says, uh, "You're going to stay in prison or in jail for another eight days." And by God, you're going to. We expect you to be in prison for a very long time. And and you get back to that lady, that deputy prime minister. We found out some information on her. A good friend of mine, a real IT guy. We looked it up. She, her grandfather was a Nazi. And he yeah, was he right. was pushing propaganda, I guess, in the in the in the Poland slash Ukraine area during World War Two. Here, she, here, her right. grandfather, and she's she, there's pictures of her sitting there with George Soros, and that's right. And she she's a former hack. She was a, 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 a she worked for the Financial Times. She was an absolute disaster when she worked for the Financial Times newspaper. So she's been groomed by these globalist types for exactly her role, just like Justin Trudeau was. They were groomed to be flunkies who would hand their countries over to this overt globalism. Mm -hmm. And they're completely, what we're witnessing is the destruction of Western democracies. Wow. That's that's the period of time that we're in now. Mm-hmm. Um, globally, we're we're in a period of the destruction of Western democracies, mm-hmm. and Joe Biden is the cardboard cutout that they're using here in the United States to do that. These aren't his ideas. He's no. just willingly going along with this. He's the dupe. Mm-hmm. But it's the same crowd that's also having influence here in the United States. And I think when you look at Ukraine, for instance, any sane president would reopen American energy production because the brilliance of Donald Trump is that he legalized American energy production. And I remember when I served formerly in the United States Congress, it was very clear. We got reports every single year. And the the highest number of untapped energy resources in the world were in the United States of America. We've had the ability to be energy independent for decades, and we've known it. But people like Jimmy Carter... Um, gave us over to our to our Middle Eastern overlords to mm-hmm. make sure that we would become indebted to them and then build up their nations. Mm-hmm. It's thoroughly corrupt. Absolutely. And the same thing is happening now under Joe Biden. And under Donald Trump, that was the first time America was ever truly energy independent to the point of we could not only supply all of our own needs, we were supplying other nations' needs. So this is a national security issue, what Joe Biden has done. I just read an article today that talked about how Joe Biden's um, energy department is intentionally slow-walking new gas and oil leases. Well, good luck when everybody else is talking about gas prices going to $100 to $150 a barrel. Oh, you bet it will. If we don't get new gas and oil leases, and you need to refresh those constantly because different wells need to be refreshed. And if you don't do that, I'm telling you, they are literally putting a bullet between the eyes of the energy industry in the United States. That's where all the jobs were coming from. That's where all of our wealth was coming from under Donald J. Trump. So what is China doing? They're embracing coal with two fists. They're embracing coal. So the the fossil fuel industry is like on fire with uh, China. They can't get enough of it. They're building up grain reserves, coal reserves, all the rest. What are we doing? We're cutting ourselves off 
Mm-hmm. So we're ensuring that we're going to become slaves to other nations, debtors to other nations. It's absolute treason mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. What's yeah. happening with the Biden administration, I think that's part of this Ukraine thing, mm-hmm. because I think, again, we're going to see the price of gas go even higher yeah. and, because of this Ukraine thing. <clears throat> yep, and then blame it on Ukraine. By the way, uh, this morning, uh, as you may as you may recall, and I'm by the way, I'm with Michelle Bachman, former U.S. representative from Minnesota, who's now with the uh, Regents um, University. And um, Michelle, I lived in Hong Kong for a decade. I got out of there two years ago. I found out today that my son's school is being shut down. And it's going to be shut down for a period of time because in China, or in Hong Kong, which has now been taken over by China pretty much fully, uh, they have decided that they are going to mandate that everybody get tested for COVID right now. So my kid's school is going to be one of these places where people are going to go to get tested. And it's mandatory. And this, this, this small, beautiful country that was once rated the freest in the world and the most financially yeah. successful, et cetera, is now just getting destroyed by Chinese policies because nothing happens there without China doing something. And they're yeah. going to keep using COVID as their excuse to destroy that beautiful place that we just loved. It was gorgeous, free, and now it's just getting destroyed by China's policies. But it's basically, like you said, this is happening everywhere. Like in Italy, and I, I, I've, I've heard from uh, Archbishop Vagano from there saying, hey, you're exactly what you're saying. These world elites are trying, you know, they're trying this, they're doing a massive takeover and, and at the expense of our rights. Well, that, that is this story. Everywhere I go, I speak around the world. This is the number one story. I was in Italy the day that Italy, it was in October, it was the day that they institute, instituted their policy that everyone in Italy had to be vaccinated or they lost their job. And you couldn't believe it. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people poured into the streets protesting. They're continuing to protest. But it was like a blackout curtain from the media, from a lot of media in the world and the media here in the United States in particular. They don't tell you anything. They don't tell you jack squat about what's going on in the world. All of the protests that are going on as you see this rise of this global authoritarianism, and you're aware of Austria that made it mandatory for anyone 18 years of age or older, they have to be vaccinated or the police will pull people over randomly on the road. And if you don't have vaccine papers, then you pay thousands in fines and you go to jail. And so you, the only alternative you have in, Austri- in Austria is that you have to actually leave the country. It's incredible what's happening around the country and breathtaking, scandalous what happened last week in Canada. And the fact that these ne'er-do-wells who call themselves the people's representatives in the House of Commons in Canada actually rubber-stamped this unlo- un- unconscionable act of Trudeau is horrific and we have the truckers to thank in canada that was the first Mm -hmm. real resistance in the world that we saw against this rise of global authoritarianism in the stripping away of once protected civil liberties and i know this convoy is starting up in southern california i think they're going to leave tomorrow and make their way into washington dc so you know that we're going to have the same kind of jackbooted people in uh, D.C., and they'll probably put the same thing into place. But what I thought when I was watching this truck convoy resistance in Ottawa is that 
that was January 6th up here, up there. It's yeah. the same thing that happened here. And I don't say J- January 6th in a negative. January 6th was a positive. The people who showed up, whether it was a million or two million, nobody knows what the number was, January 6th in 2021, they were there for a positive reason. They wanted to know what is the truth in the election. They weren't violent. I was. I actually happened to be there. I was there praying on the on the lawn. They were the happiest people. I I I I, I told everyone it was like a family reunion, and it was the same thing up in Ottawa. There were people up there praying on the streets. These truckers, people up there, they weren't violent. These were the nicest, happiest people mm-hmm. playing street hockey. They had bouncy houses out on the street. Super nice people. And we all saw what happened. These thugs were, were starting to beat them up and smash their equipment and confiscate their financial assets. This was not failure when the truckers left. This was actually victory. So it was victory what was happening up in Canada. And I think the, we need to realize we can't go along with Biden's emergency order, just like that funky Trudeau put into place in Canada. We can't go along with this emergency order. There is no pandemic. Right. So why would we go along with an emergency order? It's a fraud. Yeah, the whole thing's a fraud. These guys are all frauds. The election's a fraud, everything. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure having you here. Just really, really appreciate everything. So, all right. Good job, Joe Hoft of the Gateway Pundit, getting Michelle Maybell from the Beatles on your broadcast. But that's a pretty good. Okay, so what can we take away from that? Now, for those of you asking questions, I dropped the link to this interview in the chat room over at pill.net. Now, this is a private link. Okay. You will not get this link from the Gateway Pundit because it is a private link, but somehow I figured out how to hack that. And so now you have a link directly to, it's Joe Hoft, Joe Hoft, actually Joe Hoft. So, uh, yeah, you know, great, great interview right there, guys. You got Michelle Bachman coming clean, talking to you about, uh, where it is that, uh, you, what link are you looking for? <laughs> what link are you looking for? The um, Two Rivers. Do you want the Sea Report link? Here you go. SeaReport.com. Is that the link you're looking for? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, but uh, drop that link there. Um, and uh, that way you guys can check it out if you'd like. Now, the thing that I most enjoyed about that was... Not only that, Michelle Bachman was coming out and so forward about all of their, uh, all of her opinions on these things. We're talking about what, uh, the, the, the whole, uh, pandemic thing. We're talking about this entire involvement with, uh, you know, um, Russia and Putin. What is the main takeaway? What did she say? This is all a distraction, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, this is all a distraction. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we can move along to the rest of the stories that I have to share with you guys. We're not going to share that tonight because we have been on the air for over four hours at this point. But 
What is Ukraine and Russia a distraction from? What is this new call for a new world order and this, uh, this entire world-encompassed war a distraction from? It is a distraction from all of the election integrity efforts that have been put onto the table. It is a distraction from all of the election uh, truths that have come out on to pass, ladies and gentlemen. That is what this is a distraction from. This is a distraction from the very... The very truth regarding Hunter Biden's laptop, which we have all known about for quite some time. We've known about it, guys. We have known about this Hunter Biden laptop. We have known that this crap is real. We have known that the big guy takes a cut from Hunter Biden, thereby making him more susceptible, no, guilty of charges involving taking money from other countries, needless to say, individuals that quite actually are communists and are um, not only are they communists, but they are actually also uh, enemies of the state, ladies and gentlemen. All of this Ukraine nonsense is a distraction, okay? It's all a distraction. That's the way it was meant to be. And that's, that's why I profligated as many points of view for and against Putin as I could in this one four-hour presentation, ladies and gentlemen. Because the fact of the matter is, we don't know where this man stands until the uh, dust has settled. And I see here and now that you guys are uh, calling for a marathon. <laughs> I can't do it tonight. Trust me, my, uh, my back pain pills are wearing out, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> So we're going to have to bid you adieu for now. But that doesn't mean that we won't be back. Um, now, we can, now we can get to the meat of things, guys. Because let me tell you what. There is so much crap out there. Like, there's a lot of news and information going on out there right now. I almost feel like last Friday on this show, that was an absolute total fluke, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, on Friday, I said, oh, you know, there's not a whole lot of news. It's just some news. It's just like a continuation of a story. That was Friday. Okay, come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Mr. C's on his back. And the deep state decides to roll out with all of this freaking news and information. I ain't calling... I ain't saying tonight's not about new news tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight has... This week, we've got a lot of news coming out of the wazoo. Most of all, election integrity, folks. You know, I'm... You know, we'll see. We'll see. I can't drop any hints. I can't drop any landmines or bombs. I just gotta say... I will hope to be with you guys here at Mr. CTV, delivering this information and this news as much as I can. And we, ladies and gentlemen, together, 
will walk on this path and this journey hand in hand as we try and figure out what the heck's going on here, but ever present in our minds, ever present in our minds, that we shall restore our republic, we shall save our constitution, we shall assist our fellow man, and we shall replenish the love and the fanfare that is the United States of America as the last final and hopeful beacon upon the hill for the rest of this world to know what it means to be a free and civil and independent and sovereign people in a just and a quaint nation. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me tonight and for participating in this journey. We will be back post-haste with another broadcast, but until then, ladies and gentlemen, as always, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. I love you all, and we will see you soon.